Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. I have wonderful CDs. I have such a collection. And if you like, no, because these are these are CDRs. Therefore, I was just thinking, you know, stuff on like this, and then give me Oh. Okay.
Tune it down to to seventy is what we usually do. I'm just going to turn the air conditioner down for a moment. You got it. Okay. Mic check one two. Anybody on?
Um, I found out about the meeting this week. I got uh, ordered a uh, laptop and also. Um, oh yeah, no. Pardon? Doesn't have one. Um, John said that to call this guy and he re, re he does laptops. Oh yeah, like a revamp kind of thing. Yeah. And I found a printer for fifty dollars at um what is it? Best Buy. And they're selling it at Walmart for hundred and ten. So clearance, I guess, or something. Yeah. So um, it's going. It will cost one hundred twenty dollars for everything for the weekend. Yeah, I told everybody if they have a laptop, bring it. Possible because you know this weekend is going to be about actually doing the documents, like each person actually sitting there and doing their own documents, so that I, then I can I can edit it. Right. And then you can we can try to get as many printers up there around the area or, you know, just upstairs in general. They don't have to necessarily be, like, set up right in that room, but whatever. Right. Um, but we can run some more cords from other outlets, whatever, have to, and uh, bring them in so that... Uh, I think just have a power cord to split it off. With pretty well, much yeah, you just don't want to run, you just don't want to run, like, you know, two printers and three laptops off of one extension cord. That doesn't tend to work very well. Oh, yeah. Too much electricity. Yeah, once you get to, I mean... Two or three laptops is fine, but you get, you know, three laptops and three printers, that's going to blow. Okay. So we've got to take it off of whatever other circuit, obviously. But, you know, some circuit that's not running all in the same circuit. You get right. one room and, you know, run it from another room over there, and then, you know, the other room way over there, so they're all in different circuits. Over. Have you looked at the way it's laid out here? I have no idea. I have no idea how these circuits are laid out. Well, let's get that angle. Let's get one in here. Yeah, it should just be able to click it on. I think it's still plugged in in the hallway. If not, you can just plug it in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's all about John. Actually, I asked him. He called me up. He talked for a while about it. And I started working on the paperwork, and I was wondering, the stuff that's, okay, the name I understand, the county and the state, you have to change that. But the other stuff that's uh, in red, should you change it? Yeah, pretty much when I redact, when I redact a suit or a motion, whatever, notice. Um, I try to put everything that needs to be changed in red, but I don't always catch it all. Like, I think if it's a really big doc, uh, I expect people to, yeah, and to do their own. you got to do your own paperwork. I mean, right. I, I have no idea what someone's, particular scenario is what the facts were regarding, you know, a traffic ticket or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, time, the name. Like paragraph that was in red. I didn't know whether or not to put that in black. Yeah, I just read it and if it's applicable, put it in black, yeah. Okay. Um, if it's not applicable. Because there's not a, no, you really don't need stuff in red. But no, I'm not at all. No, you should okay. change, yeah, you definitely want to change it all to black before you file it, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. No, there was a, it's just to get the attention of the one doing the suit or motion or whatever it is. Because obviously it's an important thing to read, and that's why you put it in red. It's an important thing to change. I, and if I 
if I blocked out a whole thing in red, then maybe I did it because that particular fact was only applicable to the case of which I redacted. Meaning, yeah, you know, like, say for example, if it was a redacted uh, suit for traffic, mm -hmm. um, if uh, it'd be a law applicable to well, not so much a law, but the, well, yeah, it could be a law too. Uh, maybe from state to state that differs, so you wouldn't, you know, you'd want to find something that is applicable to your state, like or or constitution that you know that your state's constitution instead of the others, or whatever. But yeah, something like that, or to like a fact where it would be. Maybe the maybe the cop arrested you and potted you, and maybe on some other traffic ticket they didn't. They gave you the trick. They gave you the ticket and let you go. Okay. Right. So that whole paragraph about officer Ben Bad arrested you and took you. To yeah, it took arrested, arrested and, and and arrested and punished without taking the plaintiff directly before magistrate for proper evidentiary hearing to determine probable cause. Mm -hmm. As for the common law, right? So you know that whole paragraph would get chucked if you just handed the ticket and left. Yeah. So and that's what happened with those uh, two times I was pulled over, one in Virginia and one in New Jersey. They gave me the ticket. Uh, I had to. They they called a happy hooker and was brought to a, a tow truck. That's I, I like to call it that. This where we find it. And I went to places, well, the second one, I went to the destination I was going to, so they brought it to there. And the first one, I did, uh, brought it to the uh, uh, licensing bureau, and I got, after the officers left, I got in, pulled around the building to a place where there was gravel, so they have no jurisdiction on it. So and I just waited until the cops didn't want to be around and got on the interstate left. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep, more patience than they have. This one really would. And you know, I was thinking, I was going to ask John if, uh, okay, I'll, let's, I'll retract, I'll re regress. Are we going to do something about the freedom of travel? Or is that in the back list? Well, the docs or the Redacted docs for a traffic case, how to file a traffic case, how to file a traffic case, for an action of trespass against the state officers was in the last class files. Okay? It's in the right to travel folder. Okay. So, so you have it. Um, Did it go step by step how to address it? It went step by step from the standpoint of, of a particular case that I had to do, and then I redacted it, but same applies to what we just said a little while ago. Mm -hmm. If you start reading something and some shit happened that's not applicable to you, you just got to blow it out. Right. But the the structure, the structure of the suit is, is well, I don't want to say pretty much the same every time because it does differ between, say, a personal action and a real action. Um, would you say the outline of it would be the same? It is pretty much, yeah, because you've got, you got, you got your introduction paragraph, which is kind of lays out who you are, who they are, what they did, and why you're bringing suit. Right. Now, the introduction paragraph is not 
substantive to put the facts at issue in that opening paragraph. Every fact that you state in that opening paragraph does need to be stated separately in the specifics section. So you have your introduction, action at law, trespass, count one. This is an action of trespass. Plaintiff sues, or plaintiff sues defendants upon an action of trespass, whatever. Under that, declaration at law. Then, general outline, you could say, or, or, or you could say introduction there as well. And then you start talking about the, the case, the general short, and you want to make it as short as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. about why you're bringing suit against whoever you're bringing suit against. It's not exactly a repeat of the first paragraph. It gets a little bit more specific as to on such and such day, so-and-so did such and such to so-and-so. Such and such is a violation of so-and-so's substantive right to whatever. <clears throat> And it could literally be that short, uh -huh. and therefore, and and therefore, plaintiff brings this suit. Okay. Colon, and that could be it could be as short as that, because right. I've seen a lot of writs that are that short actually, particularly the farther back you go. That's like literally all they say. Yeah, that's all they say, because the, the declaration at law specifically states that you should only place the facts necessary uh, pertinent to law at issue in order to sustain the suit, and nothing more. So you don't want to add anything else. So you don't want to say like, oh, the, you know. The, in the summary, summary clarifies specifically what you're bringing. It adds to that statement. In the conclusion, you, well, were you asking me as far as like what you put in the conclusion? Is that what you're asking? Or? Yeah. Okay. Let me get to the other two sections. So you've got, you've got that start paragraph. You've got then an action at law, then an introduction, and then you've got specifics or you can label it facts. Okay. And then you put one fact for each paragraph, and you want them numbered. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I, here's the thing: when you format it, you want all of the paragraphs to be numbered. Even that first paragraph, you want to have it number one, paragraph number one. And you get down and get down, and so, you, and then you have your introduction, so that might be paragraph three, four, five, six. Okay. And then you get the specifics, and then it might be paragraph six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, twenty-five, or a hundred, whatever. However many facts you got to put in. Right. So, okay, let me see and just announce if anybody's on, coming on the call. Hello, is anybody on the call? Please announce yourself. Yeah, I didn't think it went there. Okay. Can you call it just to make sure that it's working? Yeah, I can give you the number and I can call it. Um, yeah. They have to address each number. That's right. They have to admit or deny each fact. And if you don't put, and that's the thing, that's the importance of putting it to the facts, because if you don't lay it down as a specific fact, they have no reason to admit or deny it. But once you lay it down as a specific fact, they have to admit or deny that fact. And every fact should be pertinent to the case. You shouldn't say, on June 25th, it was a clear day. Right. What difference does that make? Right. You know, none. They could possibly use that insignificant thing to kick the whole thing out. No, it wouldn't be something to kick the whole thing out. It would just simply be, they would do a motion to strike that as irrelevant. Okay. Motion to motion to strike. Motion to strike plaintiff's 
number six. Right. Exactly. Right. And then the court would decide whether it was relevant or not. Okay. And before we leave out, I got one more question. No, go ahead. I'm just calling this a dumb question. Um, there's a, a lawsuit after me, or a restraining order or something from one of those courts in, um, in New Jersey or Virginia. And I got a feeling it was put into Rock Island County. And I need to go to Rock Island County to get my birth certificate. And I'm just wondering if that could be a problem. No, because the people at the the people at the place you go get the birth certificate from, mm -hmm. they don't know or care anything about warrants up or anybody that would shit. Okay. Is it in the computer system? Will it yeah, even yeah. if it is in the computer system, the people at the couldn't they flag it though? Yeah, no, but they don't do it. They don't do it at the at the county recorder's office, which is where you would get your birth certificate. And you can get your birth certificate through mail. You don't have to go in. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I do that. If you're yeah. nervous or concerned about yeah. that, then I would just do it by mail. If that's what he said. Yeah, that's that's what he said. You want to sign this while you're up? Okay, let's see if I can put next there. Hold on. Hello? Yeah, you're on. So it works. Yeah, I'm hearing it on the side. Okay. Um, let me text, or you want to text uh, Steve um, Hawk and tell him to get on the call. He has the information. And Joseph should be on the call, too. I sent him an email earlier. Of what? No, why? It looks pretty tacky. Actually, um, I I like the age of the bar. I like the age. Yes. Uh, no, it just has a certain age quality to it. Oh, okay. You like things that age. Is that why you like me? Um, <laughs> no, this age has a certain character that you can't get when things are new and shining. Age, age whiskey is a lot different than each car. You bet. <laughs> one gets better with time, the other one gets a lot. You bet. <laughs> then you can go to the trick guy and I'll trick it out for you. You can't trick that car. That's Okay, let's um, uh, let's get the call the evening going. So we have we have Paul. You want to sign in? And um, and I don't know if Steve is going to be on the call. I can give him a message. 
Okay. And Joseph, are you on the call? He just sent me a, an email asking about 6 o'clock, and I said, yeah, 6 o'clock. So are those new people on? What? The new people that joined? Uh, there, yes. You got the email? Yes. There are two new people that have joined. One is Kevin. Keith, I think. Keith yeah. Little. And I, Iva. Ivy. Ivy. And, yeah, Ivy. And she is in Fairfield near Champaign. Yeah. And yeah. Illinois. So it's quite a ways out. And uh, Keith is Frankly, I don't know where. I forgot to ask. Yes, but I don't know which town he lives in. Um, Ivy, we know, is from Springfield area, Champaign area. But um, Champaign, he said. Yeah, Fairfield, Illinois, not Iowa. And it's... Um, Close to um, Champagne. That's what Steve said. He recommended her. I have a question about this weekend. That people that are coming for a distance, could they bring something to sleep on and sleep here instead of traveling back to their home? There's people that have gotten hotels already. They set up like hotel rooms. There's like John told me there's like three or four people that already decided to get out there. That's very good. Yeah, there's a bathroom, but there's no to there's no shower. All is there is a toilet. Huh? There's I said, no, there's actually hot water now. There's hot water and uh, there's just a toilet. Yeah. And uh huh. And so to sleep here, it's not fair. I mean, if they have to, they can camp here, but if it's like a camping ground sort of thing. I wouldn't say anything negative about that, but if you've got a hotel room, they can share a hotel room. Okay. Yeah, that sort of is the most sensible. That's the paper. Um, what? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We're on the meeting. Okay, have a look at this while you're waiting. They've got this out. And I'm going to leave a little, a few of these copies here. And also the case law for the right of, to travel. Yeah, you You need to look at that. That's, that's all the, that's all the case. There was case. Hello, Joseph. Are you online? Are you no, on the call?
first thing that comes out of my mouth every single time I talk to them or deal with them is the first thing out of my mouth is I don't have any contracts with corporate state. Okay. Um, I'm not a corporate state. No, you're not a corporate state. It's that I do not have any contracts with the corporate state. Okay, but if the police came back to you, I'm not a corporate state. You're an agent of the corporate state. What makes you think I'm an agent of the corporate state? What municipality do you work for? I mean, municipality is automatically a corporation. Mm-hmm. I'm not subject to corporate governance, except through contract, which is why that's the first thing I say. I do not have any lawful contracts with the corporate state. When you called in, did you press the one at the end? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, that's the first thing you say. And if they say driver's license registration or whatever, mm-hmm. I do. you know, Proof of insurance. Yeah, driver's license, whatever proof of insurance. Again, I don't have any contracts with the corporate state. This is private property, and I'm exercising my right to travel on the roads and highways which belong to the people, of which I am one, and of which you are my servant. Are you not a servant of the people of Illinois? If you're not a servant of the people of Illinois, then what are you doing talking to? If you're a private contractor, I don't have any business with you. I don't wish to have any business with you. Oh, okay. I just I just got a text from him and he said he'd be a little bit late. <laughs> because what they're trying to do is get you in a contract. Right. They're trying to get you to accept. Here's what they're really trying to do. What they're really trying to do is get you to accept a contract that they presume is already in existence. That's why it's the first thing I say. So it's a contract with a lot. It is. Because the, even though the... Even though the driver's license and the license plate and the insurance are very well contracts, that's true. However, just because you have those contracts does not mean you are using them at that time. Right. Because if I'm not engaged in commerce on the roads and highways as either a for hire carrier or a contract carrier, they're not being used. So it's a lie to agree to them that I'm using that those three things at, at the present time. That's right. Because I'm in commerce. Yeah, the assumption is that you're in commerce. And I say, after I say I don't have any contracts with corporate state, I also do say that I'm not engaged in commerce. Or I, I turn around and I ask them, is there any evidence to suggest that I was engaged in commerce when you pulled me right. over? Right. right. If there's no evidence to suggest that I was engaged in commerce, you don't have any capacity, no right to pull me over. You can, you can only pull me over, you can only pull over motor vehicles that are operating in commerce on the roads and highways. Right. And that license plate doesn't place one into the action of commerce. It makes that, it makes your private property capable of operating in commerce. Right. It does not make it automatically do so. And they're assuming that you are. That you do, yeah, that you are doing. Exactly. Are you sure you assuming that I'm in commerce? Right. That's a, another good way to just ask the question. Are you assuming that I'm in commerce? Engaged in commerce? Yeah. I have no passenger. And I have no cargo. Right. I have no manifest for you. I have no documentation showing proof of payment for using the roads in the place of business. Right. Every DMV is set up to regulate commerce. Clearly, under the Commerce Clause of the Constitution. So if I'm not engaged in interstate commerce, I, 
there's no contract that would allow you to detain them unless there's been a damage, harm, loss, or injury to someone. So are you saying that I've harmed someone? Yeah. That's, that's, I'm actually glad you brought that up because that's one issue unless you're, you, okay, say you got in an accident and there was, and it was your fault. So then you would need to have a contract with them saying that I will take care of the damages to be accountable and responsible for what I'm doing. Oh, right. What it also says is that if you don't have, like, if you don't have insurance or whatever, see, here's the real important thing about finding or understanding that aspect of that there's no contract thing and why they want to get all of you, everybody, into having an insurance contract. Mm -hmm. See, that insurance contract is prima facie evidence that you are, uh, see, an insurance contract is automatically under admiralty law. Right. It's automatically an admiralty law issue. Every insurance contract is an admiralty law issue. So that's why they want to force everybody to have an insurance that's contract. That's a bill of lading. Right. Well, not exactly. It, it's, it's similar to it, it. forces everybody into No, contract. but it signifies that you have something that you are transporting. Yeah, Therefore, kinda. it has a bill of lading. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. And, and seeing as how it's, a, it's an admiralty law issue, they're saying that, oh, you're, oh that's, that's another presumption of commerce. Right. The, in, the insurance contract. Okay. So when you say, I don't have any contract with the state, the answer I always get, or the question I always get back is they'll say things like, well, you don't have a bank account? No. You have a social security number? You don't have a social security number? No. Okay, thank you. Okay, good. Um, Can you say that, but yet still have a bank account? No. You can't lie. Actually, you can. Because you, the sovereign man, don't have the bank account. The bank account is set up in the name of the estate. That's not a lie. Yes. That's not a lie. Every single bank account is set up in the name of the estate. It is not set up in your name. So you're absolutely not. Absolutely not. If it was set up in your name, they couldn't take from it. They couldn't steal from it. They couldn't hold it. Because they had to go through you. Exactly. The sovereign. They can't do that. I never saw you that. That's right. That's not a lie. Not a lie at all. You know, someone asked me at this meeting to, okay, I, I told them the my registration that I had made up for my vehicle, and it, it's in transportation. It's not true. Yes, it in action, in kind of it is, but he says, then you're telling a lie. I said, I was thinking about that. That's a very good question. You, would, you should go look up that. See, the, the word transportation is a tricky word. I would avoid it because there's ambiguity there. Uh-huh. I would just say, if you want to stick on the bad side, you're in commerce. You're driving. Right. Drive. You're in a motor vehicle. On the good side, you're traveling, you're in private property, and you're exercising your rights. Mm-hmm. So there's your difference. There's your common law and your equity side. So really, I need to get back to the questions that you asked when the officer decides to arrest you to begin with, because whenever you stop, you, you're arrested. No, it's not it start with the stop. It starts the second they turn their stupid lights on. Correct. There's been court Correct. cases that specifically say that as soon as the lights turn on, you are technically under detainment. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, great. You didn't have the right to detain me. Correct. So the second you dumbass turn the lights on, there's no emergency, Correct. which is the only reason that they're supposed to ever be able to turn those lights on is in a state of an emergency. It's got nothing to do with their own ego. 
of trying to put those lights on. No, yeah. So it, that's another thing you can say. Ask no questions. Yeah, where's the emergency? Hello, officer. How can I help you? Where's the emergency? Yeah. Being agreeable and asking questions. Yeah. Because the sovereign. Right. You're, they are your servant. Yeah. And if and if you if there's ever a question about that, just instantaneously write them in there, point them as such. Mm-hmm. What's your name? Officer Ben Bad. Well, Sir Bad, I now appoint you as trustee. <laughs> I like his name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, and what does that do? When you appoint them, you can appoint them as trustee in two different aspects. You can appoint them as trustee of being a public trustee. Hello, Joseph. Anybody who's on the call, please announce yourself. You're on the call. The call is recording. It's on. So technically, they are trustees, but they're not. They are, but you're the them to act. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because what they're doing every single time when they pull you over is they're they're having you act in the position of a trustee, but to your own estate, which you don't cannot control in that aspect. Not supposed to, but it's presumption. Right. So it's your bus presumption sitting there. Right. So I appoint him as a trustee not only of my state, but I also appoint him as a public trustee. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. I now appoint you as trustee of the first middle last name of state. So can't you do that also in court? Yes, that's what you should do in court. <laughs> Go to the judge that I appoint you as my trustee. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I appoint you as trustee of the first middle last name of state, and I consider you to be a public trustee as per your oath and bond. Which I accept as John Tommy, as an equity contract between you and I from the first day you took office. That's how you lay all that out. Now, as trustee, you are now subject to my will. So, it's a doctrine or an act? John? Record keeping. Okay, there's something here that I'd like to give you, John, and we printed these up. And you're welcome to leave it here after you read it, or you can take it with you. This is the definition. Dave just got that out. And it's the actual definition of what assemblies are, according to the Constitution. Above, sorry. And we're number three, and that's according to the Constitution, the popular assembly. Right? Did I get that right? Yeah, they just don't. They don't specify it, they don't, don't but it's it. fine. It's, it's specified in the definition. If you want me to certify these, I can. But here's the Admiralty here's the extension. Okay. Your Admiralty extension, right? Oh, that's a different Oh, the different state. Okay, thank you. That's fairly
the jurisdiction of admiralty onto the land. Get this. For the extension of admiralty jurisdiction, this is June 1948, HJR 238, Public Law 695. Admiralty jurisdiction, an act for the extension of admiralty jurisdiction. Be it enacted by Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled that the Admiralty and Maritime Jurisdiction of the United States shall extend to and include all cases of damage or injury to person or property caused by a vessel on navigable waters, notwithstanding that such damage or injury be done or consummated on land. Here, here's your, here's your extending the time for the release. This is the 1951 Hours of Appointment Act extension right here. That's what that is. Extension. Okay. That's telling you right at the bottom. At the bottom, read that. That is the extension of this. This is the Power of Appointment Act right here. Okay, so obviously this one came after. Yeah. Yeah, here's, your, here's your power. Okay, this one comes first. And then, yeah, well, then this one here comes there, too. Because you've got, you got, you got this one. What's that one? Well, this is part of it. This, this here is the powers of appointment. This is one of the rules. This is Rule 144. This is powers of appointment. No, it isn't. It isn't. This is part. There's a different part. Did I get to No, it is not. It is not. All I do when I do something, I copy the book. It's, it's, it's the same book, so I can prove where I got it. I'm the University of Iowa. Okay. All right? But this here... Is this part? This is 403. Okay. All right. And I went into the statute. These are all under the statutes of art. And it references this here, section 452. So, so, so you have to have both of these to go together. It's all part of it. And this one here, okay, here's another copy of Kinsey versus Peg Arrow. Did you like it? Didn't get a copy of Whatever. And this one here is Brandon versus Arizona at 491. In other words, you can be a special master, right? Can anybody get the stuff I'm giving you? So, what do you need? Well, here, okay, this one I got to keep. This is going to be good. Yeah, that's your copy. I got it. I got it. Anyhow, we didn't have to do that. Okay. What happened with Bell? Huh? What happened with Bell? I don't know what happened to him. I'm not worried about it. He didn't go to the court? I don't know. He, he, he did it. He shut it down. He got bailed out. He got down there. Uh, okay. Cool. But he decided to go to court on Friday, but he decided to skip that. I don't know. I don't think so. There's another copy of the template that he promised speed to him before God shook my hand. I'll never read his hand. He's going to hand copy it. He's got in his pants down, taking it to the printing shop. And, and not wearing a seatbelt, so he got turned. Seatbelt, driving a bar, felony, knees. No insurance, no state bag, and interference with the first special act. So, Mr. Bell, his mother, his mother will try to hire an attorney like she did last time, voluntarily to get the best and clean it down and go back to prison. Or, Where's the thing? I got 47 redacted documents. Got 47 different documents. The file and equity and at law and a habeas court. Hello. And he knows what he's got to do. It's up to him. The balls I haven't given it to him yet. 
I know, I know. He hasn't made the decision. Yes. So he's, making he the, he's making the decision. He didn't contact you about you? No. I said, I told John to tell him that I'd have all ready, whatever, and then John said he should pay me for it. I, I, said, okay. I said a man is more than he's hard. Right. And, and, and listen, if I spent a dollar, $2,000, I paid to get the corporate hearing. I ordered, I ordered judges over the office, and I, and I ordered a few other things. And I went over backwards, and I got thinking about it, but the man lies to me. And I told him, first of all, before we shook hands, Bell's not been honest with me. He's little shit. So I, I explained the importance of what we discussed in class. We all work together. We all do this together. We all file an app. We get importance, and I explained the importance. And I said, slow down, you can win, you can get paid. And we'll, we'll have everything we need at the Sunday morning. Okay, most of us. And then, and then for him to promise me that and to go do that and basically sell everybody in that group out to do what he's doing, and got into the hands of the police. And Larry's mom had, Larry's mom, let's say she's a scum, and, and a lot of deals going across her table. In the city of Davenport, and she's got dirt, and she's got dirt on the chief police. She called him up, got the secretary, and I'll bet it was in less than a minute that the chief of police was on the phone. And there was one of us in this room that could access it that quick. So I know what was going on. She told me. She didn't tell me what she was get. So I even called him. And I said, Look, your officer stole that documents and didn't get them back to Bell. I said, I can guarantee you, he denied him due process. He wanted that for his hearing. And he did. I know that you don't know that. You don't have any knowledge. I said, oh, yeah, I said, I've known a man for 20 years. I can promise you that man wanted those documents that you denied in due process. In any event, I also said your replacement stole his license plate and his document behind the head in his truck. He says, oh, no, that's used for evidence. That's needed for evidence. I says, no, sir, as a former placement, that's not true. Because last time I got his personal property out of his car and his plates were left on. So anyhow, I just let him know. And I said, sir, I'm not going to argue with you. You're Susan. What happened, Rita, that (laughs) time? What? Yeah. That means that uh, I don't see what? Uh, the way the power appointment actually, yeah. uh, powers appointment related to the powers of appointment is amended. Well, it's amended. I should probably refer to or whatever. Those are right out of the statutes of art. That's yeah. why I do what I do, so you can prove it. I have first-hand knowledge of it. And so, and, and Robert's a witness to that too. But the uh, will initial. You just yeah. looked through the will initial on Saturday. Yeah, the, uh, okay. In general, to the extent of any property, any property, a, with respect to which the decedent has at the time of his death a power of appointment, or b, with respect to which he has at any time exercised or released a power of appointment. In contemplation of death. What? That's the trick one right there. Okay? Read it again. The, Can presumption, you? the presumption of death 
seven years. The, the mother goes to the hospital. They abandon the estate after seven years. The presumption of death kicks in. Now that's that's this B part. Check this out. With respect to which he has at any time exercised or released, and that's the thing, released. If you don't come back for seven years, technically you've released it. Right. A power of appointment in contemplation of death. Doesn't mean he's dead. In contemplation of death. It's the presumption of death. Or C, with respect to which he has at any time exercised or released the power of appointment by a disposition intended to take effect in possession or enjoyment at or after his death. That would be like a will. Or by disposition under by which he has retained for his life or any period not ascertainable without reference to his death. You don't have to be dead. Read that again. Which he has retained for his life or any period not ascertainable without reference to his death. Or for any period which he which he does not in fact end before his death. That proves that proves he said this word game to play. No, word game. No, no, no. What it is. They're using word games to take advantage of you is what I'm well, saying. Well well yeah. okay, but the possession or enjoyment of this is black ink in the paper to prove that his living will and our coming back to life with all the documentation is valid. And Mr. Judge, by the way, here I'll slap. Yeah. This is the evidence that I appoint you under the powers of the 1951 Powers of Appointment Act. You are my now my trustee, and sir, you better do what I say. I'm in charge. You do not screw with my <laughs> my res. I want my res back. That's right. All of it. I am I am heir to my estate. Exactly. I hold the office of executor of my estate. I want all my res. I want 11 a season. Why, all why of is it the Indian brothers don't understand the res when they refer it's to the Indian? The Indian, it's entirely... It's entire you mean the Indian Indian. in general, all of them? Indian, Indian, Indian. Oh, they do. Bottom but two. they're not standing on it. They're standing on their own res. They've got their own reservations and their own... What do you mean by of their own land. The thing. Res is the thing. He explained it. The thing. A res is a thing. Like that shawl is a res. It's the res dealing with the... The res is the subject of a suit, but it has to be a thing. Okay. And in something in rem, an action in rem, R-E-M, is to determine the rights to the and res. title to the res. Okay. Is the res a contraction? What is the thinking of the word? Here? It's talking about... Just, 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 res, res is a reference to something. Latin. Means the, it's thing. Means the thing. They charge, if you're driving down the interstate, and, 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 and she's a real good example, they would love to pull her over in that convertible. And if she had, say, $2,000, $3,000, say, 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 say she sold a piece of property, a piece of art, she had $30,000 cash, mm-hmm. all legitimate, and she had an agreement to buy another piece of, of art in Cedar Rapids. Right. She drives down the interstate. And they can pick up that amount of money. They pull her over, and there isn't a twenty-dollar bill in this country that doesn't have a trace of cocaine or drug. Right. So the dog immediately makes a hit, right. and so they charge the money in round. They'll charge the money. They don't charge her. Right. They charge the money. What do you mean? They are the money. The rights to possession of that thing because it's sitting there with cocaine. On. Yeah. They will like charge the you because it's steal the money because it's got cocaine. On. Yep. It's called in round through, through an in rem action. Yeah. But even if there isn't, no, trust me, there is. Well, you've got to prove that's his point. 
here's the thing. It'll cost you ten thousand. Yeah, but remember I was telling you earlier about having a, having to prove a negative. Oh How can you prove a negative? How can you prove that you weren't the one that put the cocaine on? It's, it's another negative. Right. This you can't prove a negative. That's what they do with all the civil forfeit actions. Yeah. All the civil forfeit actions do shit. Are you kidding me? No. no Are no, you telling no. me that every single twenty dollar note? Right. Yeah. Because they all rub up against each other every single time the banks put them together anyway. Yeah. So you wouldn't be able to get rid of it.
That's the assumption of death. That no, contemplation of death, that's the, that's the presumption of death. It doesn't mean you're dead. Or C, with respect to which he has at any time exercised or released a power of appointment by a disposition intended to take effect in possession or enjoyment at or after his death, which would be a will, or by a disposition under which he has retained for his life or any period not ascertainable without reference to his death, which would be like a lease, or for any period which does not, in fact, end before his death. You're talking about the administration of the estate before the guy's actually dead, okay? One, the possession or enjoyment of, or the right to the income from the property. See, all of our property is having income taken off of it through property taxes, and we're not getting that income. They're administering the estate and administering the land and administering the income. And our labor. And the labor, too, absolutely, being a human resource. Two, or, or, or two, the right, either alone or in conjunction with any person, to designate the persons who shall possess or enjoy the property. That's like, and, you can, and remember, it says persons. Not people. Not people. It says persons. That means all fictions of law, all municipalities, everything that's holding, all corporations, all banks that are holding not only the property, but you as a special deposit in their basically in their trust or in, in these organizational facts, bonded, you know, another way to put it, you get bonded. Um, okay, to designate the person or persons who shall possess or enjoy the property or income thereof, except, now this is the thing, it's semicolon, except in case of a bona fide sale for an adequate and full consideration in money or money's worth. They're telling you, if you had an excerpt of a case of a bona fide sale of an adequate and full consideration, you bypass this. They don't get to control you by it. Why? Because it would be because in order to have a lawful consideration, you would have had to have done it with another people, with contract, lawful valid contract, and all this shit gets bypassed. All these presumptions get bypassed. Right? Yeah, the corporation. Yeah, all of the presumptions of the appointment of the administration of the estate get bypassed. When, it says right here, in case of a bona fide sale for an adequate and full consideration in money or money's worth. The definition of power of appointment. For the purposes of this subsection, the term power of appointment means any power to appoint exercisable by the decedent, either alone or in conjunction with any person, except A, a power of appointment was when a class which does not include any others other than the spouse of the decedent, spouse of the of the creator of the power, descendants of the decedent or his spouse descendants other than that, other than the decedent, for the creator of the power or his spouse, spouses of such decedents, donees, that's going to be important later, donees described in section 812, B, and donees described in section 861. So those sections should probably be looked up because it's the donee. See, you are the donor, not the donee. The donee is the one that gets given to, okay? You're the donor. They're the donee, the one that gets it. So these, all this, the state is the donee of your estate because your mother, you and your mother basically were the donors of the estate. They're the, the state, the, the, the corporate state becomes the donee. You're receiving. Yes, they're, the donee is the one that receives. That's right. The donor is the one that gives. Three, as used in this subparagraph, the term uh, descendant 
includes adopted and illegitimate descendants. Wow, that's important. Holy shit. Get that. As used in this subparagraph, the term descendant includes adopted and illegitimate descendants. Oh my gosh. It only includes that. It only includes adopted and illegitimate descendants. What's an adopted descendant? It would be the state. The state is an adopted descendant. An illegitimate descendant, also, again, the state. And any municipality, that's, a, that's an illegitimate descendant. Why? Because in, the, because in the, uh, the Uniform Probate Code, it says right in the Uniform Probate Code that a descendant is... No. It said in the Uniform Probate... That was, okay, that is a different term. Because it said in the Uniform Probate Code that the heir is only the spouse or the state. It says that right in the Uniform Probate Code. The state is trying to act as an heir to your estate. Now, that is different than this, but this is also very, very interesting, the fact that it says includes, and you know that means this and nothing else, includes adopted and illegitimate descendants. That's very, that has shades of meaning. I'm not sure it's only that. It could mean. No, that's what it means. There is no, no, there's no debate about that. Structure of statutes, acts, ordinances, and codes. When you use the word includes, it means this and nothing else. It is not an and also. It is an only. That is, that is, that, that never changes. I don't care if it's state or federal. The construction of a statute, when you use the word includes, it means this and nothing else. Okay. B, okay a, power, B a power of appointment within a restricted class if the decedent did not receive any beneficial interest, interesting, vested or contingent in the property from the, create, from the creator of the power or thereafter acquire any such interest, and if the power is not exercisable to any extent for the benefit of the decedent, his estate, his creditors, or the creditors of his estate. Okay, that's interesting, because what they're saying there is that within a restricted class, if the decedent did not receive any beneficial interest. Right, because you, the, the second that you receive a beneficial interest, you waive your right to be the heir to your estate. In that particular, you can come back and, and alter it, but basically what you're doing is if you take a benefit from something, you're waiving your right to be the heir. It's called beneficium abstinente. If you, if, you, if, you, if you abstain from being the heir, by taking a benefit of something that you're an heir to, You've waived your right to be the heir. Now, that, like I said, that can be a temporary thing. You can say, oh, well, I was taking a benefit before. Well, guess what? I showed up as the heir, and I don't want a benefit. But I want Social Security would be an example of that. Well, You're taking a benefit as... In a way, but a Social Security is a separate trust that is, yes, connected to the estate, but it's not originally part of the estate. It is, it is how do you say thing. that? It's a different creation. You pay into the Social Security. I know, but it has nothing to do with your estate. It's two different things. It's a trust that's created and connected to the estate, but it is not part of the it's estate. A secondary contract. It's a secondary contract. That's right. Something separate inside. Um, Hello, is that Joseph? No, it's Steve. Oh, hi, Steve. Well, it's a fascinating conversation that's going on. I didn't realize you guys got out so early. Oh, no, we've been going for 6 o'clock for a while because Joseph has a 7 o'clock international call. 
I'm sorry, for some reason I thought it was 7 o'clock. Yeah, we used to be. Change is something, you know, momentum, it sometimes loses momentum because it's hard to change timings. But uh, it was a special request because Joseph uh, has this international call, so we changed to 6 o'clock. It works out well. We start a little early, and then we sort of end early, too. Right. Well, good evening, everybody. Did you give uh, Did you give Iva Sue the uh, the uh, Did you send her an email? I sent it to you. I sent it to you on email. No, Iva. Iva, yes. I sent her an email to invite her and welcome her in, and I sent a CC to you because you had recommended her. Okay. So I copied uh, it to you. It should be in your inbox. And uh, there's somebody else who also joined from uh, Brian Parker's uh, tactile group. His name is Keith Little, but I don't know where where he is in Illinois. But you have those names on your email. If you can check email and go down the list, it's right there. Okay. But, I, just, um, I, was out. I was out. I just walked in the house. Sure. Uh, I understand. The uh, Dave has just got some incredible information that uh, jo- John Weiss from Iowa has gone to the Law Library of the University of Iowa, which is a wonderful place, and has dug out some information, uh, which uh, he's sort of bringing to our attention. And uh, he was reading that out, actually. Yeah, I caught uh, the tail that. What? I said I caught the tail part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's on the recording, and I'm pretty sure this is being recorded. But really, a huge advantage, but I'm not sure it's all clear because the phone is in the center. It's not close to. But it should be on there. He has a strong voice. Okay. You want to continue with reading that last, Dave? Yeah, I was. Uh, all right. So what? Uh, anyway, so just to tell you, Hawk, um, John went and grabbed uh, straight out of the statutes at large in the law library the uh, Power of Appointment Act of 1951. Even though this thing actually got started and it actually got laid down in 1942, um, okay. and I'm reading from the 1942 section, the first beginning part of it even though this says, it can't possibly be the first beginning part of it. Actually, actually, I think this must be the first beginning part of it because what I was just reading was talking about amend, amending. Yeah, it's talking about, it was talking about amendments, about the changing of the verbiage. Uh, yeah, but anyway, um, so let me get back to this here. Okay. Uh, okay. Def- yeah, I left off. This is where I left off. All right. Definition of power of appointment. For the purposes of this subsection, the term power of appointment means any power to appoint exercisable by the decedent, either alone or in conjunction with any person, except. So this is the things except. So, okay. The term power of appointment means any power to appoint exercisable by the decedent, either alone or in conjunction with any person, except a, a power to appoint within a class which does not include any others than the spouse of the decedent, spouse of the creator of the power, descendants of the decedent, or his spouse, descendants other than the decedent of the creator of the power, or his spouse, spouses 
of such descendants, Donese, described in section 812, which I'm guessing is going to have to be the state, and Donese described in section 861A3, which I'm also guessing is going to have to be the state or probably municipalities. As used in this subparagraph, the term descendant includes, get this shit, as used in this subparagraph, the term descendant includes adopted and illegitimate descendants. And the term spouse includes former spouse. So I can have a former spouse. Right. Remember what we, remember what we found in the uh, Uniform Probate Code? Yeah, yeah. About the heir, that the state is trying to be the heir? Well, guess what? Now they're just also trying to come in and be the descendant. But they're doing it through what? Illegal, uh, includes adopted and illegal descendants. Well, of course they're going to be adopted and illegal, illegitimate, sorry, not illegal. There's illegitimate de descendants. The state's always going to be an illegitimate descendant. Um, the power of appointment with a restricted class, if the, if the decedent did not receive any beneficial interest vested or contingent in the property of the creator of the power or thereafter acquire any such interest, and if the power is not exercisable to any extent for the benefit of the decedent. See, that's the thing. You can't. When you take the benefit, you're abstaining from being the heir, right? Benefit of the descendant, comma, his estate, his estate, oh, there it is, his creditors and the creditors of his estate. They're coming in here trying to pretend that they're the creditors of our estate until we break the presumption. So if a power to appoint is exercised by creating another power to appoint, such first power shall not be considered accepted under subparagraph A or B. Okay, that, oh, okay, so that means that basically you chuck the other. All right, you chuck the illegitimate and adopted descendants once you appoint the proper, yeah, once you properly appoint your power. So I'll read that again. If a, point, if a power to appoint is exercised by creating, another, by creating another power to appoint, such first power shall not be considered accepted. Okay, so yeah, that's logical. Um, because everything they're doing is executor de toward anyway. All right. A or B from the definition of power of appointment to the extent of the value of the property subject to such second power to appoint, which, would, which we want to include everything, just the entire gross estate. All right. For the purposes of the preceding sentence, the value of the property subject to such sentence power, sorry, subject to such second power, which is the one we're going to exercise, to appoint shall be its value unreduced by any precedent or subsequent interest not subject to such power to appoint. Right, so when you take the power, it's, it's all of it. It's absolutely all of it. Shall be its value unreduced by any precedent or subsequent interest not subject to such power to appoint. Right, because when you come forward as a proper executor by this appointment act, Everything else has to go away, which is logical. Date of existence of power. For the purpose of this subsection, the power of appointment shall be considered to exist on the date of the decedent's death. Oh, no shit. Okay, so it goes back to seven years after the birth certificate was created. Well, oh, that's nice. all. Right, that's also logical. They'd have to do that because, because that, was where the assumption, that was where the assumption started. So you should get paid from that point. So exactly. 
So date of, date, of, yep, date of existence of power. For the purposes of this subsection, the power of appointment shall be considered to exist on the date of the decedent's death, even though the exercise of the power is subject to a precedent giving, oh, is subject to a precedent giving of notice, or even through the exercise of the power takes effect only on the expiration of a stated period after its exercise. So basically when you start acting as executor, it will act retroactively back to seven years after the presumption. Well, sorry, it'll, it'll act, it'll be in force, full force and effect from, from the day of the presumption of death, which would have been seven years after the abandonment of the estate. Okay. Uh, whether or not on or before the date of the decedent's death, notice has been given or the power has been exercised. Okay, well, that, again, that's logical. Deductions for charitable... Deductions for charitable, et cetera, use. Amendment to section, I'm going to see if this is relevant or not. Relating to deduction in case of estates of citizens or residents. It, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Relating to deduction in cases of estates of citizens or residents is amended by inserting after the first sentence of the following new sentence, property includable in the decedent's gross estate. Oh, see, there we go, gross estate. That's what you're going after. In the decedent's gross estate under section 811F received by a donee described in this subsection shall, for the purposes of the subsection, be considered a bequest of such decedent. Okay, so that's all we got to do. We just got to, we have to create our living will and bequest to ourselves in the proper name, first, middle, house, or whatever, our entire gross estate. Okay, that should take care of it. Um, amendment to section 861 relating to Deduction in case of estates of non-residents, non-citizens. Oh, okay. Well, let's see if this is different. Is amended by asserting after the first sentence the following new sentence. Property includable in the decedent's gross estate under subsection 811F received by a donee described in this paragraph shall, for the purpose of this paragraph, be considered a bequeath. Oh, I see. So you just got to do it the same. It's the same verbiage. So it doesn't matter. They just did it for both sides. Because we're going to be uh, relating to a deduction in a, in a case of a state of non-residents, non-citizens. What are you reading this from? What's the, what's the this law? Is the, this is the power. This is the statutes at large, laws and concurrent resolutions enacting during the second session. All right. Uh, sorry. Treaties, international agreements, or other treaties and proclamations, uh, volume 56, uh, just public laws of 1942. But this is the power. This is the, the, the specific part is section 403 powers of appointment that's what it's talking about so this is where it gets first or one of the parts where it gets, where it gets laid down but even though it's talking about amendments there obviously had to have been something before this even which i'm thinking must be the other section here that john gave me this is 53 statute now this is 122 that one is statute 144 so it's a different USC section. This other one says 26 USC 1000. The one I was just reading from was 26, 26 USC 811 subsection F. So I'll have to check. I'll have to cross check both of those. Um, okay, let's see if anything else is here is interesting. Uh, liability of receipt of property over which decedent had, had power of appointment relating to collection of unpaid tax is amended by adding at the end thereof the following new subsection. Doo -doo -doo. 
right, unless the decedent directs otherwise in his will, if any part of the gross estate upon which the tax has been paid consists of the value of property including in the gross estate under subsection 811F, the executor shall be entitled to recover from the person receiving such property by reason of the exercise, non-exercise, or release of a power of appointment under such portion of the total tax paid as the value of such property bears to the sum of the net estate and the amount of the exemption allowed. Okay, so they've got an exemption in there. That'd be interesting to look into. In computing the net estate, did, oh, computing the net estate. Okay, so there's got to be a formula for computing the net estate. We just got to find it. Okay, that'll be interesting. That, that's going to be important. All right, I'll just make a note of that mentally. Determined under Section 935C or Section 861, as the case may be, if there is more than one such person or executor, if there is more than one such person, oh, there is more than one such person, the executor shall be entitled to recover from such persons in the same ratio. Okay, that's logical. See, after we this is the thing. After we get our letters of after we get our letters of, of executor from either a court and common probate or a formal probate proceeding, in whatever way we're going to be able to figure this out, all of these things are going to be important in the calculation and settlement of the entire gross estate, particularly this little part here that I just found, which it says allowing in computing the net estate. So there's some sort of formula to compute, to compute the net estate. So that'll be interesting. So that, that'll have to be part of the suit for the, when the ward sues out his livery, um, which this will all have to, all of this will be part and parcel of it. Okay, so powers with respect to which amendments not applicable. Okay, powers with respect to which amendments not applicable. The amendments made by this section shall not apply with respect to a power to a point created on or before the date of the enactment of this act, which is other than a power exercisable in favor of the decedent. Of the decedent. Oh, exercisable in favor of the decedent. His estate, his creditors, and the creditors of his estate, unless such power is exercised after the date of the enactment of this act. Oh, okay, in the enactment of this act. So that's just saying that you're, if you appoint it, then after this act, then it's then that former section will not apply. Okay, fine. Da -da -da. All right, the amendment made by this section shall not become applicable with respect to a power appointment created on or before the date enactment of this act, which is exercisable in favor of the decedent, his estate, his creditors, creditors of the estate. If at such date the donee of such power is under a legal disability, to release such power, that's the infant. That's the legal disability right there. Once we get rid of that illegal, that legal disability, the infant, the, the presumption of infancy by coming of full age, okay, da -da -da, uh, until, after, until six months after the termination of such legal disability. Okay, oh, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. They're almost saying that you have to wait six months after you come of full age to do this shit, but that's... Yes. We'll see. This is what this is important. This is this 1951. This this is actually we should read read this because this is going to go right with that. No, I'll get to that in a second. We got to right. get through this. All right. All right. Um, for the purposes of the preceding sentence, an individual in the military or naval force of the United States shall, until the termination of the present 
What the fuck? Oh, this. Uh, yeah, this was in '42. That's an interesting statement. But they don't. Yeah, they don't. Uh, they didn't determine what the present war was, though, did they? For the purposes of the preceding sentence, an individual in the military and naval forces, naval forces of the United States shall, under the termination of the present war, which is not defined, be considered under a legal disability to release a power to appoint. Wow, they just took everybody's shit that was in the military now, didn't they? All right. The amendments made by this... Yeah, they never said what the war was. Yeah, so it sounds like with this perpetual act of war, that's how they're keeping everybody off their estate. Yeah, certainly that everybody that goes in the military, absolutely. There's no question there. Um, and so there'd have to be debate regarding if we're technically prisoners of war, labor code, all that shit, but let's leave that aside for now. Uh, the amendments made by this section shall not apply with respect to any power to a point created on or before the date of the enactment of this act if it is released before January 1st, 1943, or within the time limited by paragraph two in cases which such paragraph is applicable, or if the decedent dies before January 1st, 1943, or within the time limited by paragraph two, da, da, da. Okay, so that's just stating oh, when they're dying. Um, procedures of life insurance, Oh, proceeds of life insurance. I don't know. Do you think we need to get into that one? Probably no, not. That's different. Read, okay. Read, oh, that is. That's right. That's, that's different. That's, that's different. a different act. Okay. Read, read this. So this one. Read this front part. Okay. This front. is forty. Okay. This is fifty-one. So this is. Fifty-one out of what? This, no. This is fifty. This is nineteen fifty-one. Oh, so large. yeah, statutes of large laws, concurrent resolutions enacted during the second session of the eighty-first Congress of the United States of America, nineteen fifty-one. Or sorry, nineteen fifty through fifty-one, and proclamations, treaties, international agreement, or other treaties and reorganization plans, volume 64 in three parts, part one, public law and cognizable, or sorry, and reorganization plan. That's just the boilerplate on the top of all the text in large anyway. Now read just the bottom paragraph. So that, what? That, oh. that, read that out loud, the what? bottom, down here, oh. underneath, right there. Read that, what's the date? What, the joint resolution here? Read, read that joint resolution. Okay, joint resolution, extended, extending, the time for the release free of estate and gift tax of certain powers. Okay. Read it all. It's important. Resolved, yeah. Resolved by the Senate and House of Representatives, the United States of Congress, or sorry, United States of America and Congress Assembly, that sections 403D3 and 452C of the Revenue Act of 1942 relating to release of certain powers of appointment in the case of the estate and gift taxes are hereby amended by striking out 1950 ever appearing therein and inserting in lieu thereof 1951. Ah, that's why you call it the 1951 Power Appointment Act. Okay, gotcha. Now, now read this okay. because this is section 452 and read where it's from. Again, that's out of that book. Right, but this is, okay, same thing, but the difference of this one is is the 1942 part of it. But right, okay. read that there. So section 452, powers of appointment, general rule, section 1000 relating to, and this is, by the way, this is 26 USC uh, subsection 1000, general rule, section 1000 relating to imposition of gift tax 
is amended by inserting at the end thereof the following new subsection. Powers appointment. An exercise or release of a power of appointment shall be deemed a transfer of property by the individual possessing such power. Okay, that makes perfect logical sense. So we trans, we're going to be the ones that's the, that are transferring, shall be deemed a transfer of property by the individual possessing such power. Yeah, because only the executor come, can come forward and transfer the power of the estate. And what we're doing is we're transferring it from the corporate state as guardian to us, the lawful executor, right. which we'll do in probate with the proper will. Okay, yeah, that's okay, that follows. Okay. Uh, for the purpose of this subsection, the term power of appointment means any power to appoint exer exercisable by an individual either alone or in conjunction with any person, except, and these are all the exceptions, so this is the stuff that doesn't apply to power appointment. One, a power to appoint within a class which does not include any others than the spouse of such individual. Okay, this is worded exactly the way the other one is. Um, spouse of create creator of the power, descendants of such individual or spouse, descendants or other such individual of the creator of the power or spouse, spouses of such decedents, donees described in subsection 1004A2 and donees described in subsection 1004B as used in this paragraph, the term decedent, yeah, this is the same part, the term, sorry, not decedent, sorry, the term, the term descendant includes, again, adopted and illegitimate descendants. And the term spouse includes former spouse. So it's never your current spouse and it's never your legitimate descendant. That's what the state has taken from you. Okay? Who would be the... Okay, here's the thing about this for a second. What bloody Who, No, think about it for a second. Who would be considered a former spouse? The state. Because the state is that other contractual party that you bring in into a marriage contract. Yep. That's where they get to take it. Yep. They're considering themselves to be the former spouse. Because when you go and get married... They be, get themselves there. That's right. They become a third-party intervener into that contract. And that's why I've been kicked out of the county recorder's office for asking for a certified copy of my application for marriage license. That's the document that screws us. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, because it makes the state part and party of the. It makes the state a third-party intervener but, in that contract. But it's null and void because in a contract there has to be a meeting of the minds, a full disclosure, and it was never done. So right. 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 Exactly. Um, if a power to appoint is exercised by creating another power to appoint, such first power shall be considered accepted under paragraph one or two from the definition of power of appointment to the extent of the value of the property subject to such second power to appoint. For the purposes of the preceding sentence, the value of the property subject to such second power to appoint shall be its value unreduced by any precedent or subsequent interest not subject to such power to appoint. Yeah, because that's they're saying again that you can't reduce it. Okay, so that's, yep, yeah. all right, so that's, okay, that's good. Those are good. That's good. That's cool. Anything else we need to talk about before I shut this off? No, I did the. That's the Powers Appointment Act. That was all in there. This was. Uh, yeah, that's. I read that before. That was. That was the section I read before. Even though it was passed in '50, they call it the 1951. Even though it was passed in in '42, they call it yeah. the 19. They call it the 1951 Powers yeah. Appointment Act. Yeah, that's because they amended all this shit. In 51, so that's why they called the Power of Appointment Act 1951, even though it all got laid down in 42 during the war. And that's Probably when nobody was paying any damn attention. And that's just like everybody mistakenly misquotes the Dick Act. 
they say they say it's a year before, but actually Congress passed it. They talked about it. Dicta act? The, the Dick Act, as far as the oh. guns. But they actually passed it in January, the year after, in, in 1903. I think they call it the 1902 Dick Act, but I think they actually passed it January of 1903, so it's the same Isn't deal. Is that got something to do with the weapon? Yeah, well, that one does, yeah. Yeah. That one does, yeah. So, yep. And, and the. That has uh, to do with the guns. So, this, uh, the aspect of this. What is the aspect? Well, I'll just read it. Okay. Clearfield Doctrine. This is something entirely different. So, well, I'm not exactly sure what the Clearfield Doctrine is about. You said it was. This, this here, read that, but that, okay. that's where I can bring federal law into these courts anytime they take Federal Reserve notes. Oh, okay. That, read, read, Interesting. Just read that real quick, okay. and then I've got the actual language. I've got to pull the whole thing up. Oh, that'll be interesting. No, no, not disqualified. You get to pull in federal law if they take federal reserve. This is why I can bring this in here. This is statutes of large. This is federal law. Yep. So, so I can bring this in. This is, I can bring this into the state because of this act right here. When they accept federal reserve notes, you can bring that in. Yeah. Exactly. I guess according to this, I'm going to read it because I didn't know that. Yeah. Clear, Clearfield doctrine. Clearfield. Give me two seconds. Clearfield doctrine. Uh, all courts of the state and every other state of the union operate under the Clearfield Doctrine, from the case of Clearfield Trust Company versus U.S. Uh, 318 U.S. 363, 1943. Okay, so this is after they were doing what I was just reading, which probably makes logical sense. All right, this case explains the Clearfield Doctrine as this. Quote, governments descend to the level of and takes on the character of a mere private citizen where private corporate commercial paper, Federal Reserve notes, are concerned. For purposes of suit, such corporations individuals, and individuals are regarded as an entity entirely separate from government. Okay, that's the corporate municipalities and the corporate courts and the corporate state, technically. Okay, so that's all. All right. The definition of money becomes extremely relevant once the above is known and understood. So the question is how... So the question is now, what is the substance of the money used by the government entity claiming against you? Money, as defined in the Constitution for the several states, united, at Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1, or money as defined in the Uniform Commercial Code, adopted by your state legislature, question mark. So, right, so what are you doing? Is it, is it money of account or is it money of, of uh, exchange? This here, this here is evidence that we might need to prove our claim. This... This could help prove our claim once we get our once we get our documents and establish our status. This is just another name on the coffin that shows we're using lawful money right. and they're screwing us and right. they have no jurisdiction over. That's right. Probably probably value more in your yeah because once you because right because it goes along with every mortgage. I mean every single one. Mortgage, it's automatically yeah out because the uh, Daily case, John Daly case clearly showed that Federal Reserve notes do not fulfill an abrogation of contract where consideration is... There's no discharge. Yeah, well, no, there's a discharge. There's no payment. Yeah. You can only pay a debt with gold and silver. Yeah. You can only discharge a debt with Federal Reserve notes. I told them that in court. They didn't accept it. Well, I don't care what they accept or not. You need to file a, a, a motion to dismiss based upon the fact that it says right in your mortgage the first line in your mortgage, right at the top of that note, it says, shall only, and I was strong when I saw this, bring it or show it to you. I never thought to show it to you because we've been doing so many other things. But anyway, right at the top of the guardian's note, it says, 
that the borrower shall shall repay so and so whatever bank in lawful consideration. Right at the top of the note. Okay. Now you tell me how I can fulfill an unconscionable, in, impossible contract. It's null and void on its face. Right. It's null and void on its face. It's it's a inconscionable contract. That's exactly what it is. Because they've taken away the golden sword. That's exactly what it is. It's unconscionable, void, and impossible. It's a trap. It is a trap. That's right. It's a trap to just give you, to make you default on something that there was no way for you to possibly execute properly. Let's say, let's say credit cards, and let's put it this way. The head of the snake is the bankers. And I know a man that has helped people get out of over 300 credit card debts. And it's just very simple. There's never been any money that's exchanged places. And most people get their notes and they don't open their mail. What they do, they throw it in the circuit. But all you have to do is respond within 30 days. Prove to me where there's been any assured value. There hasn't been money, lawful money. It's credit. Right. Well, I actually have a copy of, uh, of the Federal Reserve Bank Modern Money Management that tells you for every dollar they create, they create about 9.9. Times right. More. That's in Modern Money Mechanics. Modern Money Mechanics was a it was a it was a exhibit in the Jerome Daly case. He sure. put it in the he put it in as an exhibit well, in his case. I've got a heard of it. To prove to the jury that Federal Reserve notes are worthless. Huh? Yeah. And so anyway, let me I gotta get back to this though. I wanna finish the, okay. the Clearfield doctrine. Um yeah. okay. Uh let's get back to this. So okay, the UCC itself states that its definitions are controlling over dictionary definitions. When any state agency comes against you, normally no constitutional arguments can be allowed since it is presumed that you are dealing knowingly, voluntarily, and willingly in the commercial law of contracts, implied or written. In that, quote-unquote, state, state of the forum, you lose all protections of both state and federal constitutions. If this is your first encounter with the term state, be advised that it does not mean the geographical area you live in. The term state has at least seven meanings in most dictionaries. Please look it up in Black's Law Dictionary, and you will find the meaning there is even a great difference between the definition meaning the word state, meaning uppercase S, T-A-T-E, and lowercase S, T-A-T-E. The political colorable corporate state, uppercase S, does not appear as a word in the Holy Bible. However, the word state, uppercase S, does come from the Greek word stato, which means to stand. A state is something that stands stationary, fixed, or established. Uh, establishments exist only in common thoughts created and sustained in the minds of men, it is a legal fiction or a fiction of law. A state is a corporate fiction existing purely in thought. Corporations and similar creations are all fictions made up in men's minds, merely imagination. This is the aspect of the difference between what you have to realize about the, the law of kind. You cannot violate the law of kind. Okay? When you have a fiction, Truth can't intermix. Fiction of law has to be over here. Facts and reality have to be over here. Yeah, you can't mix the eggs and the oranges. They're two different things. They're not even fruit. Right? It's two entirely different things. They're both food, meaning they're both law, but they're two entirely different things you can't mix. Okay. Um, so, fiction meaning either natural or existing of themselves, uh, and they're all lies. They exist by the mutual agreement of the thoughts of men. Likewise, the state exists only in the minds of men. It is not real there. It is not a real state, lowercase s, that being a physical ground and the real people located thereupon. The capital letter S, state, 
cannot even be seen, talked to, harmed, injured, damaged, touched, <laughs> made love to, moved in, moved into tears or write you a letter. It all has the emotions of a modern-day computer. Yeah, right. It's legal fiction. Okay, so that's the Clearfield Doctrine talking about now, the fact now that... Now, read the front part of where that comes from. Well, the, all right. The, let, me, let me record this. This is... United States. This is United States Reports, Volume 318, cases adjudicated, or sorry, adjudged in the Supreme Court at October, October term, 1942. Okay, it's a Clearfield doctrine. Go up the site of that. Clearfield Trust and yep. Clearfield Trust and at all the United States. All right. Yes. All right. So this was a, as a, this was as a, this was a cert to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, oh, sorry. This was a cert to the Circuit Court of Appeals for the Third District. Third Circuit, sorry. So it wasn't straight to the Supreme Court yet. Uh, da, 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 da. Number uh, 490, argued February 5th, 1943, decided March 1st, 1943. When the United States disperses its funds or pays its debts, it is exercising a constitutional function or power, and its right and duties on commercial papers so issued are governed by federal rather than local law. Okay, fine. In the absence of applicable act of Congress, it is for the federal court to fashion the governing rule of law, sorry, governing rule of federal law according to their own standards. Reasons which at times may make state law an appropriate federal rule. Wait, reasons by reasons which at times may make state law an appropriate federal rule are singularly inappropriate in determining the rights and duties of the United States on commercial paper, which it issues since the desirability of a uniform rule in such case is plain. Okay, that's basically saying that the states can't fuck with Federal Reserve notes. Um, although the federal law merchant developed under Swift v. Tyson represented the general commercial law rather than a choice of federal rule designed to protect a federal right, it nevertheless stands as a convenient source of reference for fashioning federal rules applicable to such federal questions as are here involved. Or, yeah, involved. The right of a draw e to recover from one who presents for payment a check upon which the ah get this hawk the right of a draw e to recover from one who presents for payment a check upon which the endorsement of the payee was forged accrues when the payment is made. What? That's your whole thing about that's your whole thing about signing the fucking bills, man. Check. No, the Federal Reserve notes. The fucking things in your pocket. Endorsing them. Cog came to me. They said we had a long conversation about this the other day. But here's a that's oh boy, yeah. Well, that you're you were on yeah you were on the right you were on the right road, Hawk, because that's it right here. Yeah. The right of a drawee to recover from one who presents for payment a check upon which the endorsement of the payee was forged accrues when the payment is made. Nobody's asked. Nobody's. Nobody's endorsing it. Right. Nobody's asking for and payment. You're taking it back to the drawer. Right. You're taking it back to the drawer. The draw E. You have to take these fucking worthless piece greens of shit, endorse all of them, and take them directly to a Federal Reserve branch. And then put it in your account. Well, no, you get your goddamn money. You get your goddamn gold and silver back for one, and you cancel the debt. Well, because the stupid thing itself is nothing but a debt instrument. No, you know what? That goes back to something I read. Our remedy, and I didn't have guts to do it because Kennedy was killed over it, we have the right to take these worthless pieces of garbage to a Federal Reserve Bank and demand lawful money, and they'll give us United States notes. That's what I just said, but you got to endorse them. Okay. 
I just well, I know, to you got to endorse them. Because I know a bunch of guys that have done that, but did, I know they did. I know they did not write on the back of each one of those bills endorsement. Okay. And sign their own name. I know they didn't Every do that. Well, and, and you know what? We talked about this the other day. If you look at uh, if you look at all the instruments we're talking about, in, in addition to Federal Reserve notes, if you look at any of those uh, mortgage contracts, or if you look at the, even the uh, you know um, the simplest of contracts, generally that four corners doctrine applies. So they are literally drafting a check from the drawer that you need to endorse to put back in the drawer. Right, including the damn birth certificate. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's continuing. Sure. All right. Okay. So we got. All right. That's pretty clear. All right. So the draw e when when I, all right the draw e whether it be the United States or another is not chargeable with the knowledge of the oh the draw e whether it be the United States or another is not chargeable with the knowledge of the signature of the payee. Huh. Think about that one. All right. If it is shown that the drawee on learning of the forgery did not give prompt notice of it and that damage resulted, recovery by the drawee is barred. Wait a second. If it is shown that the drawee on learning of the forgery yeah, I did not give prompt notice of it, and that damage resulted. Recovery by the draw e is barred. Oh, I see what they're doing. They're trying to get away with the. They're trying to get away with continuing to, uh, uh, not hypothecate. Uh, what is it? Um, No, what's the what are the what is it what's the what are the things that they do with these things? They what do they do with the what do they do with a the mortgage? They uh the they bundle them and sell them. Yeah, they bundle them and sell them. What's the name for it? Invest. No, not invest. Not hypothecate. Oh, oh hang on a second here. Um uh, Yeah. They turn, into an they turn them into an invest uh uh a uh an instrument. Yeah, it's an instrument and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an investment. Yeah, they sell them. Damn it! What the hell is the term? It's uh, it's not hypothecate. It's uh, it's not indemnify. It's go on. It'll come to you. It's not securitize. It's what they do with the damn notes, like the mortgage notes. Yeah, when they bundle them and sell them, there's a name. Ah, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll remember. But that's basically what they're saying. The drawee, whether they're okay, trading it. They're yeah, it it's a trade. It's a trade too, but it, there's a name. I, I want to say it's, put it I want to say it starts with an I. I'm thinking it starts with an I. No, it's not invest. It's not indemnified though. It's something else. They put it in a bundle and then they yeah. they trade. Yeah, it. they do. I'll, I'll remember it later. All right. If it is shown that the drawee on learning the forgery did not give prompt notice of it and that damage resulted, recovered by the drawee is barred. But here's the thing. We never got notice of the fact when the first birth certificate went and got signed. We never got notice of that. The damn one that's sitting in the depository trust company. So how the fuck did we... Oh, wait a second. Oh, that could be interesting. Once we get our letters executor and we subpoenaed the, we subpoenaed the original birth certificate from the depository trust company, that's when we got notice. So the inst that instantaneously, at that moment, we got notice. When? 
when we get it back and see that somebody else endorsed it. That's when you get noticed. I don't know that the thing got into I will once I, get, once I see it. Once I see the original birth certificate in my hand and I look at the back of it and I see all the endorsements on it, that is the section. That's the, the second that this will apply. The draw E, or sorry, if it is shown that the draw E on learning of the forgery did not give prompt notice of it and that damages resulted, recovery by the draw E is barred. But I won't have notice of it until I know that they signed it. That's when I have notice. Well, whoever, because it goes through the second, right, because the first statement goes through the Secretary of State, the Department of Transportation, the Department of Labor, the Department of, I think it goes through, I think it goes through the Department of the Interior, too, but I could be wrong. Anyway, there was this long list that this guy did one time, and I, he, he, he systematically saw how these things went all the way through. Oh, you said the postmaster general, a bunch of it might very, yeah, it might have very well gone through the postmaster too. Yeah, I did. I got it. I mean, I have a list of it. Um, but yeah, but you get to go to the postmaster. You'd see all the. Here's the thing: on the back of the birth certificate, you will see all of these things should have routing numbers of all these places where it went through before it ends up sitting in the depository trust company. Okay. So how do we subpoena the original? By getting the by getting the letters executor through a formal probate hearing. Once you have the letters executor, you can attain and subpoena everything that deals with that estate. And if they, if they try to even so much as remotely step on you, you can instantaneously file for a common lawsuit of theft and kill them. And if you want to go it so far, if they really want to get pissy with it, once we get 25 people that have gone through and done livery of season in a proper probate and they want to block about it, we'll do a common law indictment and subpoena the records and charge them all with human trafficking. Because that's I mean, that's what they'd be doing. If they don't give up that estate, which here's the thing, it becomes human trafficking because my body is part of, is part of the property of that estate. That's the thing. Trust me, we better get this done because that's exactly what they want is bodies of us. Right, they've always had the bodies of it. Why do you think that they can do a body attachment on a civil, on a civil case? Why do you think they can do a body attachment on stupid stuff. On a, on a case that, like they tried to do with you. There's no way they could do a body attachment on a civil case without, no, without your body being part of the estate that they're administering. There's no way they could do that. By assumption. Right. It's all by this assumption. There's no way they could lawfully do it to do a body attachment against you to come upon me, a sovereign, and take and hold my body on a civil suit with Federal Reserve notes. It's impossible. They're doing because they're assuming that you won't do anything about it. Well, there's, yeah, there's an assumption that, that your body is under the, uh, under the, uh, uh, the, the administration of the, of, the, of the corporate state. And they also know the that they think that you don't know. Yes, it's amazing. And because we're in it. Because you don't know. Remember, the, remember I read earlier in the, in the statutes at large regarding the uh, Power of Appointment Act where it said uh, disability? Yeah. Remember? And I said, we, we got to get rid of the dis It said any legal disability? Yeah. That, 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 what they're talking about in there is the infancy problem. Right. You are considered to be an infant. That is a, You're disabled. That is a disability at law. Because yeah. an infant cannot file at law. Right. Okay. I want to mention over there what you said about United States notes, the Kennedy notes, the Red Seal notes. You can't, they will not give you that. Because we didn't do it right. They will not give it to you. We haven't done it right. I bet you we will when we do it right. They're still in full force and effect. The reason that we can't get a hold of them is because we have to do it right. Removed from then they give me gold and silver, I don't care. It's irrelevant. Those have, to my knowledge... Right. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And they're sitting matter. in a room... 
Fine. Andrew, if they still true. exist and I demand them, they have to give them to me. If they don't give them to me, they still have to give me gold and silver. It said lawful consideration. The fact is that those are still considered lawful consideration right. backed up by sure. gold and silver. Yeah. So I take them or I take gold and silver. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Make any difference to me. You're not giving to me, fine. I'll be the one person with circulation. No big deal. But it's only going to be for things that have lawful. When I have a contract with someone and I exchange a, uh, what are they called? United States notes with someone else, that becomes a contract at law. It, it, and that property is now mine. That's right. Absolute ownership. Yes. Not usufruct. Not, yeah. I'm not, see, when you exchange these Federal Reserve notes, all you're doing is trading the usufructability with the res. You're not actually getting ownership. Right. Right. I want to know thing. somebody who's actually done this. No, we're going to do it. No one has done it. Nobody. That's because nobody knows how to do it. Because nobody's paid attention to get to the point where we're at to do it. Because they're not seeing what's going on. No one's had the determination and knowledge to get to that point. Well, maybe. I certainly have determination. I don't know about A lot of people have gotten parts of it, but they, 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 they take it a different way. We've got that close. Because, because if anybody can do it, that's going to be right. Well, However, it's so important. I, I've known this. This could put the pieces together, and he can. Yeah. Uh, however, yeah. what they've done, I believe this to be true, they have buried the truth in layers and layers and layers, and to get it out is hard. Well, well, of course they do. That's, that's what they always do. They don't yeah. want truth. We're the few people are looking to have the knowledge because of our education. That's why they're dumbing everybody down. But I would say, and I, do, I fully agree with the determination part, because it takes a lot of time yeah. to sit and read law yeah. and then say, okay, is there anything here that is worth the shit? You know, to sit there and read 25 pages of U.S. code gets a little bit tedious. You know why I say... To see if there's anything there that's worth right. it. That's right. You know why, Dave, I say you are the one to do it? I'll give you a quote of Newton. Somebody asked him, how did you come up with this? How did you discover something like this nobody knew about? And his answer is what is for you. By constantly thinking onto it. Great line. That's how he discovered. Yeah, and then he also, gave, he also gave another quote, which I also go along with and agree to, even though it was a stab at, uh, uh, at, uh, at uh, what's his name? Um, Delvin? No, it wasn't a stab at him. It was a, a stab at another mathematician named, um, not Leipzig. Um, I want to hear this. I was trying to think of his name. I, it's not Leipzig, but it's another mathematician. And the thing is, is the man was... He was a short guy. He was short. He was shorter than Newton, like considerably shorter than Newton. And, he, and that was the other answer. He said, how did you get here? He said, he said, I got here by standing on the shoulders of giants. Newton did not create calculus. The other guy did. Ah. Yeah, well, that's anyway, true. So we're digressing. Yeah, let me look. All right, let's get back to this. All right, so, all right, so, so, if, the, all right, so if it is shown that the draw on learning of the forgery did not give prompt notice of it and that the damage resulted, recovery by the draw is barred. That the draw is the United States. Oh, that the draw e is the United States, and the latches that of its employees is immaterial. That? Interesting. Latches. Latches. Is mean, latches is means something that once you've done something, you can't go back and do it again, or it stops you. It's 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 not exactly the same way as saying barred. But it's, it means an attachment or that you're stuck to doing something in a certain way because you acted upon a certain way. 
or did a certain thing. Once I once I get you served in a in a lawsuit, you can't go selling your house and putting it in a trust. You got to leave it so I can. It's that's called pro- latches. Due process has to go all the way through. You yep. can't go hide your assets from me. Right. Once I serve you in a in a lawful civil suit. Yep. And that's called latches. You're then unable to sell your shit. That's called latches. Because okay. you want to uh, get something it's from called it. latches. You just right. can't move it anymore. You can't. You cannot move it. It's locked. By operation if of I law. Sue you, if I sue you today and you get property served and I've got you in a lawsuit, you can't go sell your car, your truck, or nothing and hide it in a trust. Correct. It's there. Because you want to get something from it. Well, it's got you, you can't hide it. It's called due process. I have the right and you have the right to see who's right. Correct. The draw E is the United States and the latches that of its and the latches that of its employees is immaterial. Wait, 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 wait. The latches of what about the employee? I didn't catch that word in the middle. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. It says that the draw E is the United States and the latches that of its employees is immaterial. So it's all basically like they're saying it doesn't matter what the latches of the employees of the United States are, they're, it's immaterial. Huh. Hey, do you, is, that, uh, is that an electronic file or is that, uh, did you guys oh, print that out on paper? Physical. No, it's physical because John likes to go get everything in physical form, which is cool. But, uh, is, there a way, is there a way to scan it and get it to me? Uh, I'm, sure I can peer up, I'm sure I can pull up Clearfield and just give you the, uh, the, Lex, the Westlex shit okay. for it. Uh, the United States is exempted. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's in there. I'll just circle it. Or I'll, so I'll make it into a doc file and I'll make it red. Uh, the United States okay. is not exempted from the general rules governing the rights and duties of drawees by the vastness of its dealings or by the fact that it must act through agents. Interesting sentence. Okay. Right. Okay. Keep going here. All right. To bar recovery by a drawee, the damage alleged to have been occasioned by delay in giving notice of a forgery must be established and not left to conjecture. Okay, that's after you've noticed that there's been a forgery. In this case, the showing as the damage resulting from delay of the United States in giving notice of a forgery held not sufficient to bar recovery. Okay, that's. Okay, so just because there's a delay in the United States doesn't bar recovery. Okay, fine. It appeared that the presenting bank could still recover from its endorser. And, oh, presenting bank. Remember, we're – ah, most people would have missed that. you got to remember that you're a member bank under the Bretton Woods Agreement. Okay? It appeared that the presenting bank, you, could still recover from its endorser, the feds, and the only showing on the part of the latter was that if a check cashed for a customer is returned unpaid or for reclamation a short time after the date on which it is cashed, the employees can often locate the person who cashed it. Hmm. Trying to think how that would be. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to look at that real close. I'm trying to think how that would be useful. 
This is a, yeah, Steve right. is right. We've got to look at that rear close because Centauri, right Centauri 317 U.S. All right, to review, to review the reversal of a judgment against the United States and an action brought by it to recover an amount paid on a forged, on a forged government check. That's what this whole thing was about. Must be. Mr. Roswell Dean Pine Jr. submitted for the petitioners. Da, 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 submitted brief United States Justice delivered opinion. Okay. So Justice August delivered opinion in the court. On April 28, 1938, a check was drawn on the treasurer, treasurer of the United States through a Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia to the order of Claire A. Barner in the amount of $24.20. Wow, this case wasn't for much, was it? But it was over twenty dollars. Yes. Right. Down by jury. Okay. It was dated at Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It was drawn for services rendered by Barner to the Works Progress Administration. The check was placed in the mail addressed to Barner at his address in Macville, Pennsylvania. Barner never received the check. Some unknown person obtained it in a mysterious manner and presented it to the J.C. Penney Company store in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, presenting that he was the payee and identifying himself to the satisfaction of the employees of J.C. Penney Company. He endorsed the check in the name of Barner and transferred it to J.C. Penney Company in exchange for cash and merchandise. Barner never authorized the endorsement nor participated in the proceeds of, of the check. J.C. Penney Company endorsed the check over to the Clearfield Trust Company, which accepted it as agent for the purpose of collection and endorsed it as follows. Pay to the order of Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. Prior endorsements guaranteed. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? Clearfield Trust Company collected the check from the United States through the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia and paid the full amount thereof to J.C. Penney Company. Neither the Clearfield Trust Company nor J.C. Penney Company had any knowledge or suspicion of the forgery. Each acted in good faith. faith. On or before May 10, 1936, Barner advised the timekeeper and the foreman of the WPA project on which he was employed that he had not received the check in question. This information was duly communicated to other agents of the United States and on November 30th, 1936, Barner executed an affidavit alleging that the endorsement of his name on the check was a forgery. No notice was given to Clearfield Trust Company or J.C. Penney Company the forgery until January 12th, 1937, so about two and a half months later, at which the Clearfield Trust Company was notified. The first notice received by Clearfield Trust Company in the United States was asking reimbursement was on August 31st, 1937. The suit was instituted in 1939 by the United States against the Clearfield Trust Company, the jurisdiction of the Federal District Court being invoked pursuant to the provisions of 24-1 of the Judicial Code, 28 U.S.C. 41-1. The cause of action was based on the express guarantee of prior endorsements made by the, made by the Clearfield Trust Company, J.C. Penney Company, intervened as a defendant. The case was heard on complaint, answer, and stipulation of facts. The district court held that the rights of the parties were to be determined by the law of Pennsylvania 
and that since the United States unreasonably delayed in giving notice of the forgery to the Clearfield Trust Company, it was barred from recovery under the rule of Market Street Title and Trust Company, Shelton Trust Company, so on and so forth case. It accordingly dismissed the complaint on appeal, the Circuit Court of Appeals reversed. Okay. The case is here on petition for reticentory, which we granted because of the importance of the problems raised and conflict between the decision below the security, First National Bank versus United States, from the Ninth Circuit. We agree that the Circuit Court of Appeals, that the rule of Erie Railroad, oh, this is where they bring Erie Railroad in. We agree that the Circuit Court of Appeals, that the rule of Erie Railroad versus Tompkins, 304 U.S. 46, oh, does not apply to this action, okay? The rights and duties of the United States on commercial paper, which it issues, are governed by federal rather than local law. When the United States disperses its funds or pays its debts, it is exercising a constitutional function of power. This check was issued for services performed under the Federal Emergency Relief Act of 1935, 49 Statute 115. That's important. Because it's telling you that it's funny money under that act. The authority to issue the check had its origin in the had its or had its origin in the Constitution and the statutes of the United States and was in no way dependent on the laws of Pennsylvania or any other state. Well, that's yeah, whatever. Board of Commissioners versus the United States stood at another still okay, cases. The duties imposed by the United States and the rights acquired by it as a result of the insurance or sorry, issuance found their roots in the same federal sources. Okay. I'm curious as to where they're going with this as far as... Yeah, just read the end of it. Where is it? Probably, probably the last page. How they held it. Well, it's, it's, sometimes, sometimes there's a problem finding the damn... Okay. You have to forgive Zen. He doesn't deal with paperwork very much. Just a computer. True. Uh, National Exchange Bank. This is the right. What Dave has done is made a collection of the right to travel cases that are successful. So we're going to actually keep it here, copies of that, and on premises so that you can pick them up. And I, some of them I've got. I know. Then, then leave it here for somebody else. I don't have them all. I want to check them. That's a problem. The problem is you don't know whether these cases are valid yet. No, he said they're all successful. Oh, they've been shepherdized? Yeah, I've had these for you. Oh, okay. And Judy went to them, too. All right, then they're good. The only showing on the part of the letters. This is good because this is short. Larry Bell had one that's 31 pages. Some of that stuff is garbage. I know some of this is good because I've checked them and got hard copies. I know it. I had this. I had that for Larry's defense, right in my briefcase. The, the one on Title 18, Section 31. It tells you the definition of motor vehicles is uh, if you're not in commercial operation, it's it's not a it's not a motor vehicle. And but the Supreme Court has ruled four times on the same thing. Four yeah, different times. Yeah, I already years years ago I got this one uh, Chicago Motor Coach versus yep. City. I I tell everybody that one. That's been decided in 1920. That's a 1920 case. I pull that one up. Yeah, there it is. Was that Supreme Court? Yeah, the use of a highway for personal travel and transportation. No, did the did Chicago Motor Course versus Chicago get to the Supreme Court? 
Uh, I don't know. It's right I don't there. remember either. I don't think it did. I think it was just. I think it was just the Illinois Supreme Court ruling. Yeah. But I could be wrong. It was still good for Illinois. And no, two fourteen and Southwest. It's uh, okay. So they took it up. The, they, so they uh, took it to federal district. Yeah, they took the Southwest district. So they they appealed they appealed it to the to the federal yeah. to the federal court of appeals. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is good. This is short. This, if you've got them all shepherdized, that this this is good. Yeah, all this that is, is what people should use. They shouldn't use similar. I mean, the judge will look at this. I can't see how this. I can't see how um, this. Well, I, I'm pulling something up right now. I want I want to read to you guys that uh, I right. just sent yesterday. I sent this yesterday to the Secretary of State. All right. Okay. Could your office please provide me with the law upon which you rely to make the assertion that one of the people of Illinois must have a driver's license and register their private conveyance to travel on the roads of Illinois? I have had an influx of people in the community that I have I have had an influx of people in my community that have said that the state cannot convert a right into a privilege. I am trying to sort through this and get actual facts in regards to these statements. I've researched the question online and at the law library. However, at all points, it, however, at all points to the above statement being correct, I would like to hear from the Secretary of State about this matter so that I may clear it up for my patrons. Thank you for your time. There you go. I like it. Yeah. Who did you send the letter to? Secretary of State Thanks. yesterday. Did you sign it as uh, pastor's? Yeah, sign Pastor Steve. Right. For my patrons. That's yeah, there you go. Good. Yeah, and I uh I made sure to put at the bottom of it that they knew that there was three copies. So they got a copy, I got a copy, and somebody else I didn't mention got a copy. Right. Right, right. Yeah, we'll see where you get back. Did you green card it or did you just mail it? No, I uh I went online and I filed it directly into their system. Oh, <laughs> Okay, electronic filing. It's not like they can get around that one. Yeah. Cool. Can you send a copy to to the assembly here for us to keep on records? Absolutely. Please. Then we can print it up and keep it here in the assembly room so that they can have it on premises. Yeah, my uh, my my thought on this though was that you know here we go again. Um, I'm hitting real close to what <laughs> what our topic matters are. Uh, just uh, you know uh, uh, these co these dinks keep happening. Uh, it tells me that we're on the right path here, guys. I mean, this is not this is not no joke. Now, I, you know, look, I've been involved in some other calls and some other groups and stuff like that, and none have gotten this far. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you've been you've been fixing people's comments on Facebook now for what over a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem is that the reason we don't get far is because just as you're making progress, there'll be some dingbat who's going to try and bring you down, and that's what happens repeatedly. How many people yeah, can? Yeah, that's, that? that's why I actively avoid dingbats. I mean, shit. And it's, it's, it is hard to continue with uh, 
persistence when uh, when you have people trying to put you down from that. I just yeah. heard some well, think- Liz Combs has made like all nasty comments on Brian Parker's site, and I'm going to have a deal with that tonight. So she needs to back off. I mean, Clan. She's not even an American. She's still a Canadian, from my knowledge. It's a problem. They people don't need to do that. So there are people who try to block you. Okay. Um, I want to come back to this. I want to come back to an agenda item, please. No, the the um, action items. There are. Said something about modern money mechanics that they hypothecated. Yeah. So, so you find that in go online and look at the Chicago modern money mechanics that tells you that they hypothecated. Hypothecated what? Whatever your bank. You're talking about how a check was. Well, well, they they create money. It's like any loan. Right. I understand that. What was the thing you your friend put on the check or notified them, state that they had no. Um, oh, what I put on the back of my birth certificate. No, no. Oh, you're talking about how to help, oh. how we help people with credit cards? Yeah. So assured value. Ask them to prove assured value. Well, well, it's not that easy. Well, and it's also a verified, the other thing is a verified debt. You need to, you need to understand it. You just can't use this stuff because you judge, you go into court and judge nails you and you need to do the research. It's not easy. You know, there's a term he uses. I want to remind you of that. You have to come to a level where you own it. And he's not the only one that uses it. I've heard it in other places. It's a very powerful term. You've got to internally, you've got to own it. Yes. And you don't own it. And you don't understand it. And you need to own it. If you don't don't own it, until you're ready, until you're ready to own it, and okay. you've been through the declaration and the cost, until you've done that, I don't want to. I don't want to do it because I don't want to hurt you. And believe me, you're going to court, and all you do is hurt yourself, and you wind up in jail. I don't want to do it to you. I want you. You've got. It's like giving a full size camera to a client. You've got to. Okay. okay. Not, to, not to say that. Not to say that. Right. Not to say that you shouldn't no. show the samurai sword to five-year-olds and have them put right. his hands on. He doesn't have the training to. But you don't want you, you don't want to like give it to him. And go. Okay, now go swing. Right. Well, right. When you own something, then when you're under stress, you know how to be able to communicate. Drop it. I understand what you're saying. That I don't own it, and so this. Well, learn, learn that's what I said. Yes. Paul. Yeah. And you've repeated three times. Then I'll drop it. Then don't ask me. I understand. So you're ready to own it. Right. Um, Paul, please. That's not what I said that you don't own it. I'm just generally talking what a powerful sentence that is. And anybody on a general basis, not you just right. personally, can... When under stress, when we are functioning, it's important to come to that level with this complexity. It's part of me. It's what you're saying. It ha- you have to. You yeah. You've got. To, 
I haven't got it down pat as yet. I have to write it down, and I stand there, and I take the piece of paper, and I read it out there, and that's the only way I can function. still have to fix you 25 times a day. You know how he says it out of your mouth, Court, is I'm such and such of a house of whatever, and the second thing out of your mouth is I do not consent. Okay, here's a perfect example. I did that on Thursday night to Larry Bell. I coached him. I said, Larry. This is exactly what you got to do. The first thing out of your mouth is, I am Larry Allen of the House of Bell. I do not mm-hmm. consent to any unrevealed. I, I am I am the... Contract trustworthy. Well, I, I'm the heir of my estate. I'm the executor. Da, 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 da. Well, guess what? They didn't. Well, no, they, they, kept, they kept us out of the hall. Supposed to have the hearing at 8.30. They didn't want me to hear what he said. They opened the doors at 8.40, and I rush in there. And this is, I heard, I heard out of the house of Bell. So he said, he probably said, I don't know for sure, I am Larry Allen of the house of Bell, but I heard of the house of Bell. I am executor of my estate. And he rattled off his social security number. She says, do you want a public defender? He says, no, I'm a private attorney general. That's it for today. Thank you. Court said, I didn't hear her say for Friday, but Larry told me it's Friday. That is all that happened. So, so he said enough, apparently. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Zen tells me once the executor, but he still never said I don't consent to that, and and he needs to. He needs to say I don't consent to any unrevealed because the presumption right. is still there. Well, I put that. In, here's the thing. You can fix that later. I put that. In, I put in a standing objection. I created a standing objection for him already. Where I put all the standing objections in there so they're just permanent. So when you write them down and you say standing objections and you just add it as part of the case, everything that you write down as objections automatically stands throughout the entire transpiring of that case. So you always have to do it all the time. So you can always write down your objections later. You're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it. Right after it happens in court, technically. Mm-hmm. But you, you basically have the three-day contract curing Issues. So if you freeze during court, you still have three days. You got three days to undo it. Yeah. Because it's considered that that three day of curing the contract. And there is one issue that I'm wrapping my head around, and I keep on questioning this. When you listen to Bill Thornton, and here's stuff that he says, he says, "Don't say a word in court. Stand on your paperwork." But when you speak in court, then it becomes a Roman court. And then your paperwork, I don't know how it happens. I don't know how it becomes a wrong course because you novate everything that you have laid down on paper. So if you've laid everything down perfectly on paper of everything you want to say, you just say, Your Honor, I have nothing to add. I have nothing to say. It's all my paperwork, and I stand on my paperwork. If you have a one-page suit and you want to talk it out, you can, do, you can go that route. There's nothing wrong with that. But you better have the capacity of being an orator. If not, don't do that. Okay, that's... You'll get screwed, because trust me, they're way better at it than you are. Okay, that's probably the solution to that. Yeah, because you can do it the other way. I mean, technically, when they pull you out from being potted in some damn holding tank and bring you before a judge, are you going to have all your paperwork in order and have... No, you're there. You got one chance to get that right. One. That's why you have to have someone outside of the court system... Help it. Yeah, yeah, particularly before you get to that first thing. And technically, you should have all of it and carry some shit with you, too, because they will let you keep paperwork when you go to jail. 
They've always let me keep my paperwork. I'll pull my yeah, paperwork out of my out of, Yeah, I'll pull, pull up. Now, I'll, I'll just have let's, let's not Let's not make that statement because we know of a couple of people, Ronnie Davis being one, that they took his paperwork and wouldn't allow, allow him access to it and wouldn't well, allow true. anybody from outside uh, from outside Who? sources help that's him true. or give him any paperwork. That's true. Who is this? Ronnie. Ronnie okay. Davis. Okay. Would okay. Mike Oh, question? by the way, uh, hey, hold on a second. Then, um, just to let you know, I got a hold of Nini and the uh, and the Indian uh, and the uh, uh, the Indian elders, and uh, gave them Ronnie's information, and they're going to look into it from the tribe. Okay. Me, yeah, he's good. Okay, my question, coming back to the speech in court and the paperwork, I want to understand, like, how? What is the mechanics of the paperwork? And in court, if court is a Roman court, what is the implications of that? And then the written stuff that you file. It's the difference between being at law and being in equity. You're, you're getting pulled into equity courts, the pledge, presumption of trust, and presumption of infancy, and presumption of death. Okay, that's, that's a fiction. If you speak. No, it has nothing to do with it. They can only come against your estate. They cannot pull you, the living woman, into a fucking Roman civil law court. It is a violation of the law of kind. It's not possible. Okay. That's why the that's yeah. why when you go in there and you say, Your Honor, I come before the court as having been found to be living, or anybody that ever says, I I come before the court as the living man, or Your Honor, I'm here as the living man, they instantaneously put the fucking thing recess. It's it's court adjourned. It's, it's in your laws. It's in Iowa. It's in the commercial court of your state. In, I, in, in Iowa, it's chapter 554, and it'll be point one two zero six, And it'll be in Illinois, too, under whatever your first heading is, one point one two zero six. The federal is just 1206. And it'll be under definitions. And you're going to find it down around I or J or K. And it'll state this. The trier of the fact is under presumption, and that judge presumes you to be an infant. He presumes you to be a trust, a corporation, a person, any, everything but a living, living being. And so it's up to us to break that presumption. We have got to break that presumption, or we're dead in the water in that equity court. We cannot win. And Murr Schmidt's right. Al Barcroft says you've got to break it at first instance. You cannot, you cannot enter into an, a general appearance. I disagree that you can't win because the thing, the reason you can come out over the top of them in equity is that the lawful executor shows up. Well, yeah. Once the lawful executor yeah. shows up in equity, that squishes all that shit. That's when you win. That's I'll, when you win because they can't move after that. And I, every single time that I know that everybody's done that properly as an executor come forward, they will instantaneously come upon a motion of competency every single time because they've got to replace that. Remember what I said here in the, in the Power of Appointment What do you mean by a, motion of competency? A motion of competency. They'll come upon competence. They'll do a motion of competency that you're not competent to handle your own affairs, that you're a lunatic. You're a child. No, not a child. That's the first one. And what you break that one by coming in as the executor, the, the infant part is instantaneously removed. 
They have to bring in an other, what they call in the Power of Appointment Act, which is a, not a hindrance, what they call it, uh, not a handicap. Did they call it a handicap? I forgot. Disability. It wasn't a handicap. Disability. Disability. A disability. That's, that they instantaneously have to put that other disability over top of you as fast as they can because the lawful executor just showed up and can demand all of his shit. And so when, you, when, they, when they throw that shit on you, then what do you do? Objection, Your Honor. You're not a doctor. Furthermore, Your Honor, you have, you're not a first party. You have no interest in this case, Your Honor. Third, I now appoint you as trustee of the first middle last name estate by the Power Appointment Act of 1951. What say you? That's language we need in our will. We need that language. No, that's all in there. I've got it all in there. All right. It's all done. All right. All the, all and what is, it, what is the course to the Power of Appointment Act? What does a judge do at that no, point? No, the disability is gone because you've come a full age. The, 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 the disability of the lunatic side of it is always pretty much everybody lays that down anyway. And either their test day, their verification, but you know the part at the end of the motion or at the end of the suit that says, I verify under penalty of perjury that I'm of sound mind. And as long as you say, I am of sound mind, that gets rid of the lunacy side of it. Okay? Now, I've got, a benefit, I've got an extra benefit because I've actually had a judge in Wisconsin on the court record say, I fully find you competent to handle your own affairs. Thank you. So there you go. You get, right. You get either one of those down, and that's it. You just, you can, yeah. It doesn't matter what any, what any special administrator wants to say after that. It's there. It's on the record. It's there. But that's what they'll have to do. They, they have to come through. So, no, I absolutely disagree. You do not automatically lose an equity because I know the remedy to even beat them purely on the equity side of it, because it's not about the facts. It's not about the law in equity. All it's about, all it's ever been about in equity, is the aspect of the administration of the estate. That's what they're charging. Once those presumptions go away, what can they charge without the express written consent of the executor and heir? Nothing. Nothing. Because the lawful owner of the body is there. showed up. And you have documentation on the record to prove it. Well, as, soon as, as soon as you state it without objection, it's there. You state it. There's no objection. It's cured. Done. Because they have to state that you're not and for some reason that you're not. Yeah, they'd have to come forward and say, oh, we don't find you to be living. <laughs> Or they have to come forward and say, oh, no, you're not the lawful executor because, oh, I am the lawful executor because of the secret contract that we had with your mother back at the hospital. And, oh, here it is, and it's on the table. Because unless they put it on the table, it's all presumption. Mm -hmm. You know what I'd say at that point? I said, I'm a ghost, and I'm going to be your worst nightmare. <laughs> mm -hmm. That wouldn't help you because then you'd be straight in the ecclesiastical law. Well, I don't know if anybody remembers mom telling them, don't make assumptions. Yeah. Make what? an ass out of you and me. That's right. You don't make assumptions. It makes an ass out of you and me. How do you spell it? Assume. A S S U and me. Yep. So yeah. So no, you can get around it like that. And that's the thing. The the will is gonna the will is going to have a an executor clause, an executor appointment in it, or I will make it as a separate attachment. I already have my executor appointment on record. Uh, technically the executor that, that Tammy and I did, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm still cool with it. I would like to add a few things to it, and I'm going to before we have the class this weekend. But um, there's nothing technically wrong with it. The point is, is that after you do the executor appointment and after you do the will, 
The thing that Tammy never did was she never probated it. She never proved it. She said it was automatically proved because it was on court, it was on public record, and unless it's rebutted, it stands. I don't agree with that. That is not what you have to do. Just because you can put on something on public record, if you don't give somebody notice of it and you don't put it forth to be tested in a proper suit in some way, shape, because that's what probate means. It means to prove. So you put it in a newspaper? No. You file suit. You open a court case and, sh and say, you motherfucker, you motherfucker, you motherfucker, prove me wrong. All of you, prove me wrong. I'm the executive. I'm the heir. Here's the evidence. Now, I want my shit from all of you, and I want my letters executor. Tell me why I don't have the right to have a letters executor for this estate. When you clearly know that it's dead, when it's clearly on bond paper, when clearly it's in a dead name, and clearly you've been administering it through all of the evidence of the Power of Appointment Act, of the statutes themselves, of the bonds that are connected to the birth certificate, to the bid bond, performance bond, and surety bond for every case, to... The oh, oh, speaking of what, did you, did you know that you can give written notice to anybody at any time that you no longer want to be surety for whatever it is that they've uh, made you surety for? Well, I've heard you can do that, and you said you were going to send me something about it, but, I mean. I thought I, thought I sent it in the last set of emails. Uh, I don't have to go back and look again. Because uh, I was looking for it, and I don't think I saw it. But, but here's the thing: even if you say that you're not surety, if you if you write up or put something that you're not surety, but then the next time that you come in front of them, you act as surety, you instantaneously just averted the first thing that you you laid down. Yeah, just go right back. That's why it doesn't matter. People have done that. You know, they said, "Oh, I'm not surety. I'm not surety. I'm not the agent. I'm not surety." Well, contracts that operate you as the agent. Or as the trustee, it doesn't fucking matter that you wrote that down, because you stuck your dumb ass right back underneath it the second you came in with a social security number, or said that you had a bank account, or said that oh I appear, your honor, you know, gone. Well, that's why that's why gone. when you give them notice that you're no longer going to be surety, no matter what notice they send you, you just don't show up. Yeah, but it doesn't cure anything. That's what I'm saying. People have been doing this for years. It doesn't cure anything. The, thing, the only way I see this as being yeah, cured that is that, it's, that the probated estate has to happen all the way through, meaning yeah. including letters of executor and all the way through, subpoenas, everything. Yeah. yeah. Once we do that one time and we prove that it went all the way through and it worked, it's over. Everybody else can follow suit. No pun intended. Oh, yeah, that's a nice car. The only thing that I recommend seeing what's happened in the country with other people, is if every step of the way has to be, um, and do, uh, it should be behind a, a group of people, like an assembly. I agree. So that if you keep it only to yourself, then you are more at risk to be eliminated. When you have a group around you, there is a certain security. And that's the only thing I recommend. I agree. Mike Haskins, he would not give his information, and he was done remotely. His car blew up remotely. Andrew Brabert. Believe me, there's days I walk out and I wonder if when I turn the key switch, mine was going to blow. Who's, who's, who's Mike Rutkins? Mike Haskins, he is a journalist. 
and he had got a lot of information. He wouldn't even tell his wife. About what? About the information that he had. Which and was what? He was, well, he, information of it, about Obama and information he about died. the government. And so what they did remotely, the FBI, they wired his car, and it suddenly turned and hit a pole, but the motor was behind the car. They got him, cremated him, to put him in an urn and hand it back to the wife. No autopsy, no nothing, 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 nothing. This is your husband. Yeah, yeah. And you have, and she did not, he did not reveal anything. Here's the, thing, here's the thing. I don't think there's anything that I'm finding that, is, that hasn't already been done. We're just not privy to the fact that every fucking Ashkenazi Jew does it or how they do it when they're supposed to do it. But trust me, there's a system to it, and they all do it. They have to. There's no way around it. Okay? For the exception of the possibility of the only way, truly way around it from the standpoint that you would never get in it, which means you would never sign the birth of your contract to begin with, which is a very good likelihood, obviously, with all of the high-level elites. They're obviously not signing birth certificates, okay, at all. But everybody that ends up signing one has to have a way well, out. Hold on, hold on, Zen. If, they, uh, if it goes through any of their agents, it's as though they sign it. What do you mean? You know, uh, I mean, look, I'm just going to, you know. Brainstorm, Let's just say that Rothschild owns uh, the Secretary of State. Okay? Right. Anything that's signed by the Secretary of State, he's responsible for as the principal. So any of his lower agents that do anything on his behest, he's responsible for. Yeah, I'll take it up chain of command kind of thing. Yeah. Are you talking? Are you talking in? Are you talking in specificity regarding the birth certificate? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, well, every, you know, think of it this way. Every place that it has touched that has been signed by an agent, there is a principal behind the agent, and the principal is ultimately the one responsible. Yeah, that's true. And there, there's no way that all those principals would ever want to be held or thrown under the bus when you do what you need to do properly to have livery of, to sue out for livery of season of your estate clearly from a guardian that is administering your estate. I mean, after you get so much facts about it, there really isn't anything they can do to rebut it. No. The whole idea of having plausible deniability anymore, I don't know. Forget it. That's gone, yeah. So that's all we ever needed. So, yeah. So, there's nothing else on the action items. Uh, a couple of things that I, I want to mention on the action items, uh, if you got it, is that um, we're going to be keeping a list of all the successful right to travel on premises, plus, uh, Zen bought out. The meaning of the wording, sorry, the word assembly and the different assemblies. And this is actually quite fascinating. It's from Bouvier's and uh, Bouvier's and, and Hawk knows about it, right. Um, but I'm just sort of mentioning it here. 
that the, they are the political assemblies and we are the third one, which is a popular assembly, are those where the people meet to, del to deliberate upon their rights. These are guaranteed by the Constitution. And then you have the fourth one, is probably why so many people get into trouble, is they have unlawful assemblies where they are plotting and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and that's the area that people, when they sort of get into that and, and sort of infiltrate a lawful popular assembly, that's when there's trouble. But of course, we don't have to worry about that. So we've actually changed on the recommendation based on this, where our letterhead now has we the people, and under that is just Illinois Popular Assembly. By saying that, we are actually separating ourselves from Michigan, because Michigan does not include that term, and Michigan has a slightly different position about that, which is fine. As uh, Robert Gilman had said, every state has its own character. And you need to have that because every state is its own republic. So in Illinois, this is what we do, at least with this assembly. There are other assemblies which may have all kinds of stuff. But with this assembly, we have an Illinois Popular Assembly. How's that? The other thing, too, is the um, is a letter that we wrote. Um, to It's an attempt to increase... Uh, members, but get more members for the uh, grand jury, but also to publicize our our um, our assembly. And so, yeah, why didn't you right. read it? I, I wrote this, uh, the first part of it. It's, this is a, a letter to the um, Illinois State Rifle Association. Uh, we, the people of Illinois, have joint interest in upholding the founding principles of our republic, established in 1818. We from the Illinois Popular Assembly, wish to bring our popular assembly to the attention of the Illinois State Rifle Association in the goal of facilitating a joint relationship to promote the following. One, to develop and promote a platform for the continued education of civics for the betterment of all people of Illinois. Two, to expand and grow the popular assemblies of each county in Illinois until every county has reassembled these most important organizational structures of freedom which protect our unalienable rights by allowing we the people a venue to deliberate upon those rights. Three, define, create, upgrade, and build meeting halls for every county in Illinois for the popular assemblies to meet and deliberate upon our rights as free people. Four, to organize de jure grand juries in each county in Illinois consisting of 25 or more members of the peerage as per the Magna Carta. The Magna Carta is the founding of the common law for all people in the Republic and the document that explains the powers and duties of the grand jury. Five, to establish a strong foundation of, self, of local self-government in every county to avoid any potential overreach of power from the state or federal level, and to build a strong system of self-government to be able to handle what looks to be the inevitable bankruptcy of Illinois, of the Illinois corporate state, period. To work on, six, to work on developing, creating, and providing learning materials to all regarding the importance of, of self-reliance and local community resilience in the case of exterior failure of systems of government and control, which we see to be inevitable based on the mathematics of the budget of the Illinois corporate state. We, in the Illinois Popular Assembly, see the power and use of the grand juries being ignored and even ridiculed by the corporate government, 
which has always sought to remove this most powerful tool of self-government altogether. Justice Scalia wrote in the majority opinion in the Supreme Court in his ruling in 1992 in the U.S. v. Williams case, where our 5th, 6th, and 7th, 9th, and 10th Amendments were clearly have been upheld. Extracts from this ruling are on the website, so on and so forth. It is our goal to establish a popular assembly and de grand jury in all of our counties in Illinois for the betterment of all the people of Illinois. This letter is for the purpose of requesting members to join and to join our efforts to accomplish the above listed. For, or sorry, the above listed is for gen, and the above listed is for general circulation. For reference, source of authority, 1818 Illinois Constitution, Article 8, Preamble of the Illinois Constitution. That, quote, the general and great essential principles of liberty and free government may be recognized and unalterably established, we declare. Article 8, Section 19, that the people have the right to assemble together in a peaceful manner to consult their common good, to instruct their representatives, which I didn't really ever think about until I reread that today, that we have a right to instruct our representatives and to apply to the General Assembly for redress of grievances, which is basically a bill in equity saying, pay me. Our weekly meetings are held on Tuesday at 6 p.m. and are available both on conference call and physical venue mentioned below, so on and so forth. Sincerely, Jury Commissioner Narveen, so on and so forth. I like that. Good letter. Yep. Thank you. I agree. Hallelujah. Okay. All have approved of it, and therefore it's going to go out. I'll give it to you. I do have to fix that. Hey, sentence. Narveen. Because it was kind of messed up. This one. Circle. Hey, Narveen. Circle. Yes. You know what? Um, this could pan out to be that they maybe have some uh, seed money to invest in educational materials and the growth and expansion of said assembly. Maybe that'd be nice. Well, well, no, no, wait. It's the National Rifle Association. They have money to spread around for that. They have a budget for that. So keep that in mind. Right. Right. And they're very big in Illinois. They're the one that do the eye gold, and it's a lot of lot of stuff there. Something has happened in town that is that is I think some significance. Um, Our local paper. The dispatch has been now bought by Lee Enterprises, which owns the Quad City Times. In effect, this is over half a million, and it's going a half a million population is going to have only one newspaper. It doesn't make sense. No, with the exception of our little friend at at the River City Reader, who we're going to publish with. Yes. See, the River City Reader is the one we're going to publish with. He's going to be the only one left going up against them. Yeah, and so that's why I think this is going to increase membership, uh, readership of him. Maybe. I really believe that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if one necessarily correlates to the other, but he's going to be the only one left in opposition to them now that they've merged. Unless Chicago Tribune, as I was telling you earlier, if, they, some, if some outside thing comes in, but otherwise it's curtain. The, then in a way it's a good thing because then we people – are going to control the information. That's well, not a bad a idea. Sources. There's going to be a, a, an alternative, well, a, a true source, a true yeah. press, and then there's going to be your corporate media. 
you know, you're just going to have your corporate your corporatocracy running the other one. Yeah. Lee Enterprises owns the Muscatine Journal. I've seen them buy up TV stations, radio stations, and newspapers, bought everything here. And when I did my research, they're one world government. Yep. Okay, that answers that question. Yep, they are. So the the internet is have is going to have to become stronger, and alternative newspapers such as this. By the way, I wanted to mention to you, we're going to be meeting him the week of the twenty sixth. I just got an email from him today. What day, Tom? He's yeah. He didn't give me a date. He's busy. Oh, he, I, he. I, I, I sent the letter to you. I emailed it to you. I forwarded it to you. I responded to him and CC'd you. I, I didn't see it for a second. He gave me. Let's just say I got. It's on your the grand jury names. What? Talk to Todd for a second. He's up to his elbows because of his father dying. But he had made arrangements to pick up the grand jury names in Scott County. Todd and I and Robert, Robert and Tim sat on the selection this year and watched them. And so he acquired them, and so we now have names, addresses, and phone numbers um, of all of them. It's public knowledge. Go to your go to your county, go to your county uh, auditor, and get the names of your grand jury members if you want. Well, I think public record. I think you. I think you, Mike, Todd, and I should have a meeting somewhere. And, and, well, also Mike Elliott. That's what I said, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. I didn't know. I'd love to. All right. I adjourn the meeting. Any seconds? Okay. Yeah. I'll smack it. All right. Because there's no, there's no other agenda here. Yep. All right. Uh, everybody have a great night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, John, I need some more of the sulfur. I have some.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.